You're watching the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. something about Jesus. I got to share him with the world straight up. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? The one who died for us is that Jesus. And all I know is that there's something about Jesus. So every day I'll be praying out to Jesus because I love you. Can I tell you about Jesus? The one who died for us is that Jesus. All I know is that there's something about Jesus. So every day I'll be praying out to Jesus because I love the uh, but you don't hear me though. So many people claim they righteous, but they still be sinning. No, tell me what you sinning for. What is it you get from that? Don't you realize that when you sin, that is what holds you back? But please don't think I'm judging. Cause only God can claim what's due. I am just a messenger that's saying Jesus died for you. Live the perfect life for you, but came to sacrifice for you. Not the Holy Spirit, so when you tempted, He will pull you through. Oh yes, I know it's hard. So put it in His hand. The battle that you fight and He defeated. Understand? Do you want salvation? It's a free gift for you Confess that he is Lord And believe that he was raised is true Yes, it's that simple huh. Don't try to complicate it yeah. The moment you believe God rejoice cause he been waiting huh. Go get baptized huh. But only huh. in this thing yeah. Get buried yeah. in that water yeah. When you rise, hey. go insane Can I tell you about Jesus? The one who died for us is that Jesus All I know is that there's something about Jesus So every day I'll be praying out for Jesus Because I love the Lord something about Jesus so every day I'll be praying out for Jesus because I love the Lord
Hey, what's going on, brothers and sisters in Christ? It is a joy to be here with you today. Um, we're about to get ready to embark on another thought-provoking episode of The Cross, right? I'm Rico, and we're going to dive into a question that has um, skeptics and believers asking, why does God receive all the credit for the good we do, yet seems to escape the blame for when we fail or when we do bad? I encourage you, I encourage you to engage in this discussion. Share your thoughts in the comment section. Uh, and also... If you find value in it, hit that like button. Don't forget to do that and share it with somebody who can hear it as well. There's a lot of people who may not feel comfortable with stepping foot inside of a church, but they may feel comfortable just sitting here kicking it with us and uh, interacting with some of the stuff we got to say here. So I encourage you to share it as well. But without further ado, it's time for the cross. Let's go. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus, the one who died for our sins, that Jesus, and all I know is that there's something about Jesus, so every day I'll be praying out to Jesus, because I love you Can I tell you about Jesus, the one who died for our sins, that Jesus, all I know is that there's something about Jesus, so every day I'll be praying out to Jesus, because I love the Lord. What's going on, Anthony? How you doing, brother? Doing good, sir. Man, glad to be back hanging out with you again. <laughs> yeah, man, it's always a pleasure to uh, kick it with you and chat with you and talk with you, whether it's on here or offline, man. We always have some good conversations, so I'm excited. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Um, so how was your week? Man, it was a, it was a long week. Uh, we came off a conference, and, you know, after the conference, you you know, you feel a little drained, a little, a little worn down a little bit, but it's all good and just, just – uh, Man, just coming through this week, got a lot of good stuff going on, trying to get some stuff going, but then there's always the challenges that you got to go through. And so that's that's the ups and downs of this, this walk, man. You're just trusting God, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's all you can do, man. My week was crazy busy. probably one of the busiest weeks I had. So we came out the holiday weekend, and then um, so we were off Monday. But then Tuesday, um, I had to do the live stream show for the Air Force. Uh, so for anybody interested in the Air Force or Space Force or know somebody that is, we do a live stream show similar to this, but for Air Force recruiting, right? And so I had to do that show that Tuesday. And then I had the uh, my commander, uh, two-star general, is retiring. So we, I, had to, I was leading his retirement. And then we had uh, a change of command for the new commander that week. And then I had to preach this Sunday. So I had to prep for my Man. sermon. I, I, well, I preached today. 
<laughs> yeah. And then I had to do this. And it's just been crazy. But I, what Which, I will say is this. What you preach on today? <laughs> uh, I pre so we, we just started a new series called uh, Hop Pursuit. And my topic was pursuing the word. So it's all mm -hmm. about the importance of reading the word of God. And, and that's online. So I, I'll send you a link if you want to check it out. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, I, um, it's been a minute since I got to preach on Sunday. I preached at the food pantry, but but no, I think it went pretty good. Holy Spirit led me, and you know uh, mm -hmm. I had to do two services, so I was the second service was a little different than the um, first service, but I think mm -hmm. that went pretty well. Um, and then um, Saturday we uh, we had our pit crew meeting, pastors and training meeting, and uh, right after that we went out and evangelized a little bit. So that was good to kind of get back and do that because I haven't really done that in a while either, and so uh, it ended on a pretty good, pretty good note. So, so I was, I was, I was happy about it. Hey, but yeah, hey, man. if y'all checking with us, uh, let us know who you are. Let us say what's up in the comments. I see Tim May say hello. Thank you for what's checking up, in. What's up, Tim? How you doing, sir? Yeah, we really appreciate you joining. Everybody else, make sure you say, uh, say hello in the comments. Also, too, uh, if. You, watching it live you want to kind of go out of the live chat hit the like button uh so that way it'll help the algorithm uh share with other people but um we're about to get into the topic today um it's all about uh god getting the credit for the good but not the blame for the bad so i'm interested to hear y'all take on that um also too um before we got on you know i was looking at um Anthony's shirt, and that's one of his own designs, one of his own shirts. So I just wanted to let y'all know about that. And so uh, I was telling him about Amazon merch, you know, where I have my shirts at. Um, so he's going to look into that. But if y'all want to support him and his ministry, you can grab one of those shirts. And then uh, Friday, you and Joe went live and did a Q&A, huh? Yeah, man. We, uh, yeah, we did the nice little spicy. You know, we had some good stuff on there. Um, I have, like, a list of... Uh, I compiled that people have asked and so yeah. we were just taking five you know uh, of those questions and answering them we might do that for a couple of weeks and yeah. so if y'all have questions send them to me and we'll answer them live and we'll talk about them and, and some of them are interesting some of some of the questions are interesting you know what man I mean? there's two there's two that uh there's two that i want to talk about before we get into ours real quick yeah because i was watching i was like man i i wish i was free on fridays to get on this thing man uh, Thomas Record, what's going on? How you doing, brother? Thank you for checking what's up, in. What's up, Tom? What's up, Tom? <laughs> yeah, but uh, one y'all asked, right was that? That's one of my old co-workers right there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, uh, and Tom checking in from Facebook. I wonder, you, you, you paired your Facebook too? That's yep. what's up. Yeah, that's sweet. Okay. Yeah, that's the beauty of this program. We can have people on YouTube, Facebook. Um, LinkedIn if we wanted to. Sometimes I go live on my LinkedIn as well. But, you know, I'm in the process of starting to look for a job now, so I got to kind of do, like, job-related <laughs> stuff on LinkedIn. <laughs> but um, but anyhow, so, y'all, one of the questions I asked was, does God hear the prayers of unbelievers? Hey, y'all yeah. watching, let us know in the comments, do you think that God hears the prayers of unbelievers? And so uh, y'all kind of talked about a little bit of that on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and, um and, and I think when you answer those kind of questions, you got to kind of look at the wording, right? And then what did the right. person who asked the question really mean? Because the guy hit a prayer, he know their prayer before they even say it. But then to an unbeliever, my thing, an unbeliever is like, if they don't believe, then why are they even praying? And does it mean like, you, you know, so 
So that that's I guess that's one of one of one of the things I would have added on that. Do you know you're right? You're right. That's why I wish you jumped on because that's an aspect of that question. Like you said, if you start looking at the wording, yeah, like okay, let's really look at this wording and say, well, what does that even mean? You know, uh, like you know, like Joe was saying, he's like, well, what about you know the 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 quote unquote sinner's prayer? Like if that person's a sinner and they're praying to be saved, does God hear that prayer? And are they a and like you said, are they a believer because they're asking to be saved? Yeah, or, you know, it's like what's what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So I think that was definitely good. But then the other one, and I, I like y'all humility in the way y'all. I don't know if y'all plan that before y'all answered the question, but what is the age of accountability? Because oh, I would have hopped right into the answer, but you know. Uh, I think because of Joe's experience, you know, his, his yes. experience, you all kind of took the time to, uh, you know, just be compassionate about anybody who might have lost somebody. Well, so. and, you, and you're right. And you're right. Probably normally, actually, when I first heard that question years ago, I jumped right into the answer. But after having experiences with people who have gone through loss and then actually being on the stream with Joe, knowing his experience, it's like, okay. I, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I, I know it, I, I understand with, you know, uh, the answer, but somebody asking this question, what if they're asking this question because they lost a child and they're trying to figure out, is my child, where is my child? You know, yeah. am I going to see them again? And, yeah. and so that gave me a, a really different perspective and no, we didn't plan it, but you know, I've been streaming with Joe for some years now. So I know his story. And mm -hmm. it kind of causes you to be sensitive to other people that may have the same type of background. Yeah, no, I think that was good, man. And, uh, you know, kind of where I landed, I know the Bible doesn't really say, but right. to me, I feel like the age of accountability is whatever age the child can understand. Right. Basically, whether they can choose Christ or not, right? Choose to uh, follow Christ or not. And, and I, I know I left in the comments that that age may be younger than we like to think then for certain people right so yeah. th there's certain kids that are quicker and then there's others that are not and then like uh i think joe brought up what about you know children with um disabilities yeah you know what about those individuals and so it's a very complex question but i agree with you i saw your comment um in in uh in in the in the comment section and i i agree with you whatever that age is that they can comprehend and understand that's that's the age and yeah. it might be seven or 17 i don't know <laughs> yeah you know? i'm telling you it's a scary thing too because you know like like my kids i have kids that are teenagers and and, right. and i was the same way when i was a kid when my mom trying to drag me to church i don't really want to go and i'm half sleep when i'm in there but as soon as i get out i'm wide awake ready to hang out with my right. friends and you know uh but as a parent you like i want to see my child in heaven so i want to make sure they know god and know the gospel but but i mean we're living in an age now where you know some people think kids can determine their sex uh they're old enough to do that so the question is if they're old enough to make those kind of decisions are they old enough to accept christ or not right, right. and and there's some debate on how old Mary was when she had Jesus, right? right? And so right. They, people seem to think that she was fairly young, but she, at however old she was, she was uh, a servant of God, you know? So, 
So yeah, no, that was some interesting questions, man. But let's go ahead and hop into what we're gonna talk about today. Um, again, if you're just checking in, we're gonna be answering the question: uh, Why is it? And from a Christian's pr- perspective, because when I, the question where I saw it on, it was like, "Can a Christian shed light on this?" It's like, yeah. "Why is it that guys get all the credit for the good you do, but he doesn't get the blame when when you sin or when you're wrong or when there's evil?" He's not to blame for it. And so I think that's a, a pretty interesting question, and we're going to knock it out. But before we get into that, we're going to um, get to our devotional because the devotional is going to tie into it. So let's go ahead and do that. Uh... All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 3 as we dive into verses 26 through 30. Starting at verse 26, it says the following. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identify as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from um, heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It's the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. You know, it's interesting how jealousy can sometimes cloud our understanding, even when it comes to recognizing the Messiah himself. These people knew that John identified him as the Messiah. The Israelites were actually waiting on the Messiah. And because people were going to the Messiah instead of them, they got jealous and they went to John. We see that John had disciples who followed him. They clearly respected him. They also must have been very loyal to him. But John, in his humility and devotion to God, reminded them that every good thing we receive comes from heaven. So how will we have the nerve to get upset when people want to go to the Messiah instead of us? It's kind of like how Satan wanted glory that only belongs to God. However, John acknowledged that he was not the Messiah but simply a vessel to prepare the way for the Messiah. Now, let us take a moment to reflect on this valuable lesson as Christians. Our talent, our skills, and opportunities are all gifts from God. It's crucial for us to guard against pride and remember everything we have is a result of God's grace. John further demonstrated this understanding by saying, I am simply glad to stand with the bridegroom and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. I can imagine being at a wedding, the wedding of one of my best friends, and hearing them share their vows. I'm not going to be jealous of them. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to be grateful that I was even able to be there with them. They'll be a part of of that ceremony. And see, John, John fully embraced his role in preparing the way for the Messiah. He found joy in pointing others to Jesus rather than seeking personal uh, personal recognition. And I'm going to say that again. He found joy. And pointing others to Jesus. We should find joy in pointing others to Jesus. This teaches us the power of humility and finding fulfillment in God's work. Right? When we humble ourselves, we realize what God put us here for, and we point people towards him, we learn this lesson. And my favorite part of this passage is in John 3 verse 30 because it uh, captures this idea of humility very well. It says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That is a prayer that I meditate on daily there's a song that speaks on this as well where i want to be more like jesus and less like me and it hits me every time because that's what i need to be like 
it always convict me when I'm being more like Rico instead of more like Jesus. And as followers of Christ, our ultimate goal is to exalt God and magnify his name. We should strive to dis uh, decrease our own ambitions and allow God to increase in our lives. And by acknowledging that our abilities and achievements come from God, we demonstrate a heart that gives glory right back to God. Now, we got to remember, God detests pride but he uplifts the humble. Let us humbly acknowledge God as the source of all good things and let gratitude fill our hearts for the privilege of being vessels to do his will. All right, and that is the devotional. And so we learned from John, you know, that John was like, hey, listen, I'm nobody. I'm just a servant of God, and I'm grateful to be even used by God, right, used by the Messiah. And so that ties well into our question of giving uh, Christ and giving God uh, credit, uh, credit uh, for all, for everything, right, everything good anyway that comes from us or comes through us or the whole nine. And so, but before we get further to that question, I want to uh, kind of chat it up a little bit with uh, Anthony. So, Anthony, one of my biggest things was uh, where it says I, I, uh, he must become greater and I lesser, right? And so I know, I know for you, for for you, you always, whenever I'm asking you about wisdom or something, that's kind of the answer that you give is like, how is this gonna benefit the kingdom, and how is this gonna benefit uh, what God has, has has for me to do? Um, but we see it a lot, and I know you're a pastor. We see it a lot from certain certain, certain leaders in the church, they get to a certain level and they kind of get the big head and they want the red carpet rolled out for them. And so, uh, like, what, is, what has been your experience with, one, you personally coming lesser as God come greater, and then what are your thoughts on others um, doing the opposite? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think this is a, a, a spot where I'm, I'm very passionate because I've seen people, you know, it, it, when their church explodes all of a sudden their message changes right you know and they go from you know preaching pretty solid you know pretty christ-centered to now i'm gonna show you how i <clears throat> grew this large platform and now i'm gonna show you 10 steps to you know uh, getting your business off the ground and, and so there's this seduction uh, that is out there that the bible says the love of money is the root of all evil the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And when people start getting into the greed of this life, you know, they start to pull away from the, the fundamentals, the basics. You know, I was preaching a message today uh, where I included Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and how they were willing to suffer uh, death, punishment, even death and to not bow down, to not submit to the king and his gods. And at that particular point, it's like, wh what kind of, you know, belief is that, that you're willing to go into a fiery furnace and this man is so mad at you that he's going to turn it up seven times hotter just because of how you responded and you're willing to go. And, and if, and he's, and they said, if the Lord saves us, then great. If he doesn't fine, we're still not going to bow down. And I think that's a different type of life because that's a life that is living for the glory of God, not for your own uh, desire. And so as a pastor, there's a lot of things that I do that when I look at scripture and I try to live it out, some people say, well, why are you doing that? Why are you 
Well, why do you give that up? But that, that's what this is about. Paul said, I pour myself out as a drink offering on behalf of your faith. And for only one reason, to rejoice with you, to know that you made it. You know, he told the, 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 the Corinthians, he said that um, I betrothed you to, to one husband and it's the man Christ Jesus, you know, and that his desire is that he had a godly jealousy for them, that his passion was all about the Lord. He actually went on to say that to compare yourself with others is actually unwise it's foolish and that he would only boast in the lord now we, we say things like that but when it comes down to it like you said whoever asked our main question is wondering well why does god get the glory why does he get the credit why does he get that and as a as a pastor as a leader trying to help people to live a life that is focused on giving god glory and showing god to be great and showing that he's worthy of the praise is a difficult one because we live in a world where you're supposed to do things to get credit and to get glory. And so I, I do think it's always a challenge and it was, it's a challenge for me. Uh, you know, and I, I always say that I'm gonna stay hungry, but I'm gonna stay humble. Yeah. I'm gonna stay very humble because at the end of the day, this is about him. I'm going to get my reward. I'm going to get what I deserve in the next life. And so there's a lot of things that I'm willing to give up in this life because I truly believe that. But if I don't truly believe that, then I'm going to want to get a piece of the pie for myself. I'm going to want to, yeah. you know, can I can I get a little bit for me? You know, I'm not going to be able to make that decision to let that thing go uh, for the kingdom of God. And so, yeah, I think it's a uh, it's a fundamental thing. Oh, man. See, this is I'm telling you, this is a passion <laughs> for me because I'm thinking about, you know, where Jesus said, that if anyone desires to come after me, he must first deny himself, pick yeah. up his cross and follow me. He said that if anyone seeks to save their life, they'll lose they'll it. Lose but it. if they lose their life for my sake, they'll find it. And he says, what profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul, yeah. you know, and what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So, you know, this this particular subject is is a very um, um, it's a point of passion for me that, you know, helping people to know that you can let go of this because you can't serve two masters. You're going to love yeah. one and hate the other. See, I'll, I'll preach on this thing right here because this, <laughs> this is my heart. This is my passion. Yeah, no, no, you said a lot there. First, I'm going to say hey to Tanya. <laughs> hey, Tanya, thank you for checking in. We appreciate you. So, so man, you said a lot. So with, um, with uh, them getting thrown in the furnace, one, I'm going to start there. And they were like, you know, God, we, we trust that God will save us, but even if he don't, we're still not going to bow down to him, right? Mm. And so wow. that that is huge when we talk about what we're talking about today because this this naturally goes into if God was loving and caring, he wouldn't allow evil or God is responsible for evil, you know? And having that mentality that even if God don't save me uh, in this situation, I know that he, he is still just. He's still going to use this for his glory, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll have my rewards in the next lifetime. But then I think about somebody like your man Solomon. And I think about scriptures where it's like, you know, uh, if you seek God first, then everything else will be given to you. So Solomon, Solomon was like, look, I just want wisdom. I want to be able to be wise enough to be able to do your will. And in that, he got the wisdom, but then he also got riches and all kind of stuff as well and so um i think there's a there, there's something to think about with, with that too but if you uh get get into it with alternative mo motives god knows your heart you can't hide it from him right, right. um right. not only that 
you may be doing good things for the kingdom and then you're gonna lose it in eternity too because your, your what you did is gonna be tested and anything that don't make it through the fire is gonna go away right and so that's the other thing but then you touched on something about pastors when they first start off they're one way and then when they get big they kind of change the game and stuff happen and i mean and i don't want to really like bash on them or nothing but i merely thought about my man mike todd i remember how he was before he blew up the way way he is now, but then now you got clips of people in his church comparing Jesus to strippers, right? And mm. so it's just like it, it, that that's crazy. Um, and that was part. So I got to do, um, I got to preach today as well, and I was talking about pursuing the word of God. And I think when people try to get the big head, and when they feel like they got to fill up the churches, or you know they get they get famous or whatever. Um, now all of a sudden the word of God is just not good enough. Now you got to be real creative with on how you deliver it and, and, and give it. You got to come up with some new analogy and all that kind of stuff. And that was a little bit of kind of what I was talking about today as well. But yeah, man, um, another thing uh, in that devotion that came up was, you know, how his disciples, how John disciples was like, hey, they're going to, to the man you call Messiah to get baptized. Right. So now they're getting jealous. So how do you as a pastor guard yourself against, you know, uh, comparing yourself against other pastors uh, who maybe have like a bigger church or whatever, or even if one of your members say, hey, we're gonna we're leaving your church because we're gonna be going to this other church. Like, how do you deal with that kind of stuff? Well, first you you know you 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 take it on the chin. <laughs> you know you, you you know those are those are some of the hard knocks of this life um, that you know because of you know consumerism and some of these people are good people. You know they're not. You know they're good people, but they want you know, a children's ministry, you know, that has all the bells and the whistles, you know, they want to be able to walk in the front door and get their Starbucks and, you know, they want the comfortable sheet seats and the big stage and the lights. And they want to be able to kind of, you know, go to church, hear a word and go home. Whereas in a church that is, is smaller and more intimate, there, there's more of a pressure, even if it's not intentional, there's more of a pressure to be involved. There's more of a pressure to to find a place to serve and help out. And if you're not there for a while, people actually notice. Whereas at a big church, you're not there for a while. Nobody actually knows unless you've been involved. And so yeah. you you kind of uh, you kind of learn to deal with that, you know. And for me, I've you know I was talking to somebody the other day that whether I'm in front of ten people or a thousand people. I am the same. I'm the same person. You know, I've preached on, you know, uh, in churches where there, there's 1,500, 2,000 people, you know, in the building. And I'm preaching in front of a crowd like that. And then preaching on a regular Sunday at our church, you know, to 40, 50, 60, somewhere in there, you know, on a regular basis. And then being somewhere else and preaching to 300, 400. And for me, it's about knowing what God has assigned me to do and not chasing any platforms, you know, not chasing, you know, the crowds, not chasing, you know, uh, wanting to be some type of Christian celebrity, but under, understanding that I'm a bond servant, that, you know, I, I, I've given my life to Christ and for him to use as he wishes. Now, sometimes you want to know, like, hey, I want to know if I blow up, 
will I change? <laughs> you know, yeah. will, will, will I fall into that trap? Because I see people fall into that trap. They, they're, they're in a place where I'm at. And the next thing you know, you know, they're, they're, they're on these larger stages and their doctrine starts to change. And, uh, and maybe it's not financial, but they're catering towards the crowd. What do people yeah. want to hear? Yeah. Oh, they want, they want me to, to prophesy their address. So like, yeah, you know, somebody in here lives at two, 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 five. So, 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 oh my God, he's a prophet. And so you'll start playing and catering to the crowd and doing these things, you know? So for me, I try not to be judgmental because sometimes you can, you can, your judgment comes out and you're self-righteous. Uh, other times uh, I try not to uh, covet what they have, yeah. you know, uh, because that stuff creeps in when you're sitting alone and you, you know, you're, you know, you're going through whatever the church finances and you're looking down the street and there's this big church and, you know, they, they got this going on, they got that going on. And, and you know, that they're, they're promising people blessings for offerings you know, like, oh, you giving this offering, you know, there's healing for your this and, you know, there's a miracle. And so sow a seed into this offering and get your miracle. And when you're not willing to do that, you start thinking, like, man, you know, is that the only way you can, you know, finance the church is to, you know, manipulate people through offering yeah. blessings, you know? And yeah. it's like, so, so you struggle behind the scenes, but ultimately you're convinced that God's way is better. That at the end of the day, God, when I stand before you, I want to stand before you with a clean conscience, my integrity intact, you know, and I know that I did what I believed scripture required of me. And if, you know, that wasn't it, you'll tell me on that day. Yeah, man, I, man, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on this. Oh, Alan Park, that's what it is. I'm like, I cannot believe I'm drawing a blank. A blank on his name, but he just dropped a video not too long ago about how you, you may see some changes to his YouTube channel or whatever. Because when he first started, he would want to give the word, help people understand the word, and then he found himself having to put out content that the algorithm would uh favor, right? And so yeah. that kind of started weighing in on him. And I can tell you, for me, I don't have my own church, but doing doing this online and doing my ministry online and you put in all the studying and all the work and then you put it out and then crickets, right? It's like you talk right, to two, right. three people that takes, a, that can take a toll on you, especially oh. when, when people, um, place value in the numbers, they place like, they, they, they look like your credibility is if you got a huge following, right? You're more credible. And I can tell you like, um, uh, uh even at work. So, you know, I've run, um, the advertising branch for the Air Force. And anytime we have an influencer that has a lot of numbers and a lot of impressions and all this, like the way um, uh, the people at work cater towards those people and listen to those people. And I remember we went and did a, a commercial a production out at the academy. And so it was us, my crew, and the uh, ad agency. And then there was this... Um, this uh, guy who recently got out of the military, but he got a huge YouTube following. And the way that the academy was catering towards him compared to catering towards us was just completely different, right? And um, and um, when I was uh, promoting the uh, or asking to do the live stream for for the Air Force, the ad agency, my bosses, everybody was looking at me like, no, that you know, I don't think we should do that. That don't make sense or whatever. But because my personal YouTube channel don't have the huge followings like these other followers, 
they wasn't really hearing it. They wasn't really, they didn't, they wasn't really, they didn't, basically they didn't look at me as I knew what I was talking about, right? right. And then right. turn out, like we're killing it now for the Air Force. It's been a huge asset for us, but because I had to go through so many hurdles to get them to even approve doing it because I wasn't, it, I didn't have the huge numbers. And we can see that in churches as well too, right? Yeah. So like yeah. people just look like, oh, well the TDJ saw the, whoever whoever's who on who on a screen and they got the huge followers and they got the biggest churches people not only look to them as they're the face of christianity right they typically tend to uh flock to them because of the huge following and in right. in, in reality if you think about jesus if you think about paul if you think about the disciples most of those people wasn't really popular. If you think about any other prophets in the Old Testament, when they came and gave a word, they, they was not popular. And so if the world is heavily accepting you or accepting something, you kind of need to take a step back and see, is this even God, right? right. Uh, but it's funny how, <laughs> but it's funny how, it's funny how um, people just put so much credibility in following the crowd, if you will. Um, but I will say this about a small church versus a big church, and then we'll move on. We'll get to the question. I will say this. I think that for me, I don't mind going to either, right? Um, I do kind of question how a pastor of one of these large churches are able to really, like, pastor their people. Um, yeah. And so I, I would assume that they're dividing the work out with other pastors and doing stuff with, you know, that kind of right. stuff. So. But um, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But but I will say this: depending on what season of life I'm in, kind of dictates what church I kind of w- w- want to be at. Because when I was going to a larger church, I was able to uh, I was able to uh, serve without feeling guilty, right? So like you know, one thing that I think a lot of people who run churches forget that their volunteers, they still have commitments throughout the week. So if I work a Monday through Friday, my only right. downtime is my Saturday and Sunday. And so if I work Monday through Friday, I do something on Saturday with the church, turn around and be at church all day Sunday serving the church, I don't have that downtime. And God I, God made it clear that we need rest. He in, instituted a whole Sabbath day, if you will, right? And so when you're at a real smaller church that needs more hands on deck, more help, you know, and you worked all week, you you know, it's it's a it's it's harder to say, hey, I'm not really in a season where I can dedicate so many hours to serving. You know, so like at a bigger church, if I if I'm if I'm serving in the youth ministry, me and maybe three other people tag team that workload. So if I'm down, they pick it up or whatever. But when I'm in a smaller church, it's like every other week I got something that I'm responsible for, something I have to do. And then on top of that, I still got to handle my responsibilities throughout the week. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it's like it, we got to understand different seasons. So now say me and my wife, I know you know, your kids, your kids are out the house, right? So now say me yeah. and my wife retired, kids out the house. Now we can serve all day, three, four times a week at, at the church. But when you got a family and kids and people got school and you got to help with, it makes it really hard. So I don't really like judge people who would kind of rather go to a bigger church for that reason. However, I think it's one of those individual things where you got to look at your heart and say, am I coming? Am I going to the big church so I can hide? So I can, you know, kind of get out of the scenes. But but yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do when you 
when you work all week and then your church really needs you because there's nobody else really to do to pick up a bunch of other stuff as well yeah 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 and and you know a lot of that ends up falling to that pastor yeah <clears throat> and he ends up having to pick up that slack and and do that and if he's bivocational you know like you said in a, in a season with children um it's yeah. like okay you, you got to make a choice like well i guess we just won't do an outreach we just won't yeah. do it you know we just lord you know <laughs> and yeah and then but but and then you can maybe in that season the church you know whatever the percentage of offerings and gifts pay for some another church that does an outreach or maybe you team and see this is why in my heart i really i really wish and i know in the day and age we're in we probably can't get there but it would be nice to have like the church in corinth corinth and then the berean church all the you know so if i live in universal city it would be nice if there was a the universal city church so everybody in our city can come together and help right. make that stuff happen versus seven, you. eight, ten different churches in Universal City, and some have more help, others are struggling, you know. Um, and I think us as the body of Christ, we we can do a better job of uh, coming together and supporting one another, regardless of uh, if I go to this church and you go to the church down the street. When it's time to do outreach, we should be teaming up and doing outreach together if we believe the same thing, obviously. That and that's the hurdle right there. You just, you just, you just tag the real hurdle is that sometimes it's it, it's difficult when you have, you know, like you said, seven churches with seven different, you know, uh, belief systems, seven different, you know, uh, uh, um, doctrinal statements, you know, seven different ways of doing ministry, and to be able to overcome those doctrinal difference differences to just serve your community sometimes it's difficult you know sometimes you know you gotta you gotta bite your lip and you're hearing something you're like oh man why are they saying that what they know that ain't what the bible says but it's like uh in order to get this done you know as a team there's some things you gotta let go <laughs> you know and yeah. it's and it's hard it's hard at, it's hard at times you know because we've done a lot of stuff where we joint with other churches and you you do you struggle a little bit but you're like but is this helping the greater good, the greater of the kingdom yeah. for people to see churches come together? Five, six, seven, eight churches. Our conference over the weekend, I'm pretty sure there was 10 or 15 churches represented there. And oh, wow. there was some stuff where, you know, when we got after the conference, it's like, all right, well, now we got to clean that up. Why did they do this? Why did they do? Okay, this is what they were doing. And here's what, you know, but yeah. you're going to have that when you join you know, all these churches together. So I think you, 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 you give a good part, great point that we have to do a better job yeah. of knowing what fights to fight. You know, if it's not salvation, then can we, can we, can we somehow overlook that to, to, to be the body, you know? So, yeah, but not, I mean, not only that though, like, so to me, right. I got a church, you got a church, so-and-so got a church. The leaders, before we even do something jointly, maybe come together. 
and you know, kind of hash out those kind of things and agree on a, a way forward. And I get that's easier said than done. But this right. is what Jesus' <laughs> prayer was to the to the Father that we bec- that we be one, right? And it's like we're getting so so far away from that that it makes it difficult. And then churches churches suffer from it, you know. Uh, real quick, hey, what's going on, Ken? Thank you for checking in. Thank you, uh, Ezra Joyce Gwen. Thank y'all for checking in as well. Uh, Epic Ministries, always a pleasure to have you on. Definitely love to hear your thoughts. Uh, she says, uh, give what the Lord has given to you freely. You have received freely give. If we don't praise him in every circumstance, the rocks will qu- uh, cry out. And and that's it. That, that That's it right there. You know, um, so we, we should be coming in with the humble mentality, with the servant mentality, and being willing to give it. And if somebody else is doing good things for the ministry, like I even struggled. I'm like, you know, I, do I even really need to have a YouTube channel? I can just refer other folks, you know, other good Christian folks or, or, or whatever. But uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you just got to be grateful of being a servant of God, you know. You yeah. Know, and, that, and it's as simple as that. All right, so let, let's get to the question though. Let's get let's get to the question. Um, for those who might have been just checking in, we are going to be answer, uh, talking about or a- answering from a Christian perspective. Can a Christian shed light on why God gets the credit for the good I do, but no blame for the bad? All right, so we, let's go ahead and hop into our question of the week. I always say that I think the believer is in an advantage. <laughs> Philippians 2, uh, 12 and 13, right? Paul is writing and he says, work hard to show you the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, yeah. giving you the desire yeah. and the power yeah. to do what pleases yeah. So I think the believer is yeah. at an advantage yeah. because God is giving us mm. the desire mm. and the power to mm. obey him and live his ways. I don't think any of us. So yeah, let's watch how uh, uh, Eric Thomas uh, respond, respond to this. And I, I showed this video because it ties into the question. Have any doubts about that until we start comparing ourselves to others? Come on. People say, man, every time I say something to you about your gift, you say, praise God. It's like, it's all, like be practical. We know it's God, but be practical. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm being practical. Yeah. It is God in me and through me yep. that allows me to do videos that catch, that yeah. makes people feel like, yo, E, I felt like you was in my living room. The Holy Spirit was. Mm. <laughs> e, I felt like you was talking to me. The Holy Spirit was talking to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. he definitely knows what you're going through. Like, I don't personally know. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and take credit and act like I sat down and came up with this perfect message. I didn't, but I did pray that morning. Yeah. And so that's the mentality we got to have, right? Like, mm-hmm. because, like, Eric Thomas, I don't know if y'all know who he is. This was, this person was actually Hip-hop one of preacher. the... Hip-hop preacher. Yeah, he was one of the people who were instrumental in me getting saved, to be completely honest. Because... Uh, and before that, I wouldn't even really want to hear about God, but I was hearing some of his stuff. I was hearing yeah. some of Eric Thomas stuff, and I, uh, I didn't realize he was a preacher. I didn't even realize he believed in God, but his motivational speech, speeches were just so good, right? I talk about this in my book, too. And um, anyhow, then I started realizing that he was a preacher. And I was like, well, if his stuff that he says works out for my personal goals, maybe I need to relook at how I look at the Bible. And so if anybody can have a big head, it's Eric Thomas. He became oh, yeah. one of like the one number one motivational speakers, but he's giving the credit to God. He's giving the credit to the Holy Spirit. And some may say, "Well, no, you know, you're just a good speaker. Are you good at this?" But that goes, you know, he didn't get that skill or those talents from nobody but God, right? And so, uh, Epic Ministry says, "Yes, that part. He gives us the power and the desire." And so, uh, let's let's kind of talk about that a little bit. So. Uh, we'll let you start, Anthony. Why does he get? Um, why does God get the credit? Hey, what's going on, Mom? Thank you for checking in. Why does God get the credit 
when we are doing good? What's your, what's your thoughts? Well, again, uh, and we talked about this at the very beginning, you have to kind of slow down and pick apart how this is worded, right? Because in the wording, there's a, there's a little bit of, um, it's almost like it's trying to trap you, you know, um, you know, why does God get the credit? Why does, why does God get the credit for the good that we do, but not the bad? Well, here's the thing, the good that we do, we have to understand that God is the author of good. So even some stuff that we think is good mm. is not good. Mm. But we'll say it's good, right? We'll say yeah. it's good, yeah. but it's actually not good. And so exactly the things that go. right. So the things that we're talking about when we talk about good, we're talking about the things that are inspired, like as as uh, E. T. said, placed in our heart by God. What, what's that verse, Anthony? Um, our works are like filthy rags. Uh, um, that's in the that's in the Old Testament. I think it's in uh, it might be Isaiah or Jeremiah. Yeah, I that, mean, yeah, but but again, it goes to your point yeah. of like what we think is good, right? It's pretty subjective, right? And if it ain't allowed what God think is good, it's not good. Yeah, Isaiah sixty four six. Yeah. Isaiah 64, 6. Um, let's see. Pull it up in the... Let's see if I can find the King James. Here's an Amplified. It says, For we all have become like one um, who is ceremonial, ceremonially unclean like a leper, and all our deeds of righteousness are like filthy rags. We are withered and decayed like a leaf and our wickedness and our sin our unjust our injustice our wrongdoing like the wind takes us away carrying us far from god's favor towards destruction and so yeah that's that isaiah 64 6 yeah. uh yeah isaiah 64 6 yeah that our our works are like our good works are like filthy rags and, and, and but that's and so uh, i like it when um i think it's the young rich ruler in, in the book of Luke, he comes to Jesus and he says, um, uh, good sir, something to that extent. And Jesus said, well, why do you call me good? Because there's none good but the Father. And in that, we see that this idea is that Jesus is saying, look, any goodness that I have comes from the Father. Because in this world, <clears throat> um, our, our good is selfish at best you know mm. it's some uh, selfish need some need to to be considered a good person even considering yourself a good person could be idolatry you know it, it, it could be you creating an image to worship whereas when we understand like the uh, uh the tax collector and the uh and the, and the pharisee the tax collector came and said i am a sinner have mercy on me. <laughs> the tax collector was like, I tithe, mm-hmm. I, I, um, yeah. I, I, I pray, you know, I do all these things. I'm not like that guy over there. And the other guy's like, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. Jesus said, that's the guy that's justified. You know, and when we understand that our greatest good 
is still not as good as God's lowest. You know, the, the thing that, that we would say, oh, that's little in God's sight is greater than any good that we do of our own. Because yeah. we have no, there is no, it is not any goodness of our own. The Bible says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works that he predestined beforehand for us to walk in. So whatever we're walking in, it was what he determined that we would walk in, especially if we're considering it good. And so yeah. my thoughts are, it you know, you got to watch the wording because when you leave it open like that, why does God get credit for the good that we do? Well, what are you talking about? What are, Can we be specific about what we're saying is good? Yeah. No, no, that, that, that's a, a valid point. So let's say it this way. Hey, I closed on that house. Praise God. It was all God. Hey, I got that new job, man. That was all God. Hey, doc, uh, doctor diagnosed me with cancer. That's a devil. That's a, right. you know, that's a spirit. You know, I got the spirit right, right. of alcohol. So, so let, let, let's, let's go that route. That, that the good that happens in my life. Hey, praise God. The bad that happens in my life. That's the devil or, you know, whatever the case may be. A spirit I, I like, me do it. I like that you did that because a lot of times that's the issue. And when I challenge people on that, they struggle. I'm like, you know, was that actually God? You know, mm. or did you just have a good credit score? Mm. You know, did, did you just make mm. enough money? You know, uh, why did why did that have to be God? Because if you didn't get it, you would say, oh, well, you know, God's not ready for me to have it. No, your credit score is not good and you don't have enough income to qualify for. Why does it have to be, you know, anything to have to do with God? in this thing and yes that's that that's a good point uh somebody just popped in the, uh, the chat god has his own purpose that's what i'm talking about so when i say you know praise god or that god is is working in my life he's working something out for his will and his purpose you know I, in this life i'm gonna tell you everybody listening you work hard you go to work every day. Yeah. You pay your bills on time. <laughs> you know, you be a good steward over your money and pretty much most of the things in this life, you can get it. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need, you, you know, some people, you work a little overtime, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can go get the things of this world, but you can't save a soul. Mm. You see what I'm saying? You know, mm. you, 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 you can accomplish, you can go up the corporate ladder, but you can't change somebody's life for eternity. You know, that's the difference. And so when I hear people say that and I begin, and when I begin to question it, people struggle with that. Well, what's, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with, you know, praising God for this job? Well, let me, let me ask you something. What did God say he would do? He said he would supply all of your needs. And if you did need a job, then amen. God said he would supply, that 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 he would make sure, you know, uh, seek ye first, like you said, the kingdom of heaven, and all of these things will be added to you. What things? What you're going to eat, how you're going to be clothed, yeah. where you're going to live. Yeah. He said he's yeah. going to take care of that. Yeah. But we're saying praise God for the acquire the things that we acquire beyond that a lot of times, things that we went after. And then we tag Jesus on it and say that he did it. 
And then the world says, well, I don't get it. Uh, I got the same thing. There's yeah. some people in the world that don't care nothing about God and got way more money than you'll ever even think about having. Man, look, you're touching on something and you know, <laughs> you know where I'm about to go with this. And you, we had this conversation before. Like, when pastors preach on tithing and giving, I really wish they would just preach what the Bible t says about it. Yeah, like, and I'm going to tell you why, because nine times out of ten, whichever pastor that strongly believes that we're supposed to tithe, this, listen, type in the comments if y'all heard this before from a pastor who believes you tithing. He says, listen, I've been down and out. I've been, um, uh, I, I don't know where the money was going to come from, but I, I, I made sure I, I honored God and I still tithe and God always make it happen. Now, they, they give these testimonies of how God has always made it happen when they, when they, because they tithe. I promise you, if we did a poll of America, there's going to be people who don't believe in God and they always have what they need, like what, what you're talking about. They all, they, they've always had the money they need. They've never been put out. Their bills always getting paid. Then there's some people who just give what they can and God has always made a way for them. They said, God, uh, the rain, the sun and the rain shine. It's, it's the sun shines and rains on the just and the unjust, right? And so right. using an example of I've never had to struggle and God always made it happen for me, it's not to me a good reason to tell somebody that the Bible says you must do something. If the Bible says you must do it, just tell them to tell what the scripture says. Right. But when you Say go back to the when you go back to hey I always had this or I always had that or God's all taking care of me, the atheist person who like I work with so many people in the military who doing very well in life. Investments are good, money, and they ain't thinking nothing about God, and they ain't, right. and they never tithe. So you like to me when you do that, you kind of inadvertently reduce the credibility of what God actually says in His Word. Yeah, um, Epic just put in the comments um, Psalms uh, thirty-seven uh, four, I think thirty-seven four, thirty-seven five, and me and a good friend actually almost fell out over this scripture mm. because he felt like, well, um, if I delight myself in the Lord, you're saying God won't give me that six figure job. Isn't it more attractive to people, you know, to want to come to Christ if they see me doing well financially, if they, you know, see that I'm never broken. And I said to him, I said, I don't know if it is or isn't more attractive. But what I do know is that this verse is not telling you that if you, you know, praise God and go to church, that God will give you whatever you want. And when I showed him what that word delight meant to be soft and pliable in God's hands. And I said, now let's read it again. If you be soft and pliable in God's hands, he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? That he's going to shape the desires. He's going to mold your heart to desire what's right. Because we know that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all. And the only person that knows it is the Lord. Who knows it but the Lord. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the heart comes lying and deceit. 
and, and sexual immorality and all kinds of stuff pour out of the heart of man. And so in order to really understand God's blessing and provision and uh, 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 ability to uh, to pour into our life, we got to understand that God wants to do that anyway. He wants to do that whether you give 10000 or two cents. God wants to provide for his people. He wants to take care of his people. And so you're not doing things to, to get something from God. You're not trying to uh, manipulate God into giving you things by doing this stuff. You should be doing this stuff because you love God and he has provided. I think it was Jacob in, um, what is that, Genesis uh, 28. He said, Lord, if you take me um, on my journey, provide food and shelter for me and bring me back home safely, I will give you a tithe of all. I will give you a tenth of everything I have. That's what he said. He said, God, if, if you take care of me, ain't nothing. I'll give you. He didn't say, I'm going to give you this and God, you take care of me. He said it the opposite. He said, God, you take care of me and everything I have is yours. I, I'll give it to you here. It doesn't matter because I know that you're the one taking care of me. You're, you're my source. That's a whole different point of view than the idea that I'm going to do something to make God move. And that, that is always scary to me. And that falls into your question, Rico, about why does God get the credit for the good, but not for the bad? Well, because if I believe that God only does these good things, and when I say good things, it's material things, um, then the bad things must be the devil. <laughs> it must be the devil fighting me trying to keep me from getting what God wants me to have, right? And that's the way the prosperity preachers, the word of faith preachers, that's the way they preach it. That anytime you're not financially, uh, physically, relationally doing well, that's a demon. And you got to rebuke it, cast it out, declare it, decree it, bind it, whatever, <laughs> whatever jargon they use, because that ain't God, you know? But sometimes it's not God. It's not the devil. It's just life. Mm. Yeah, now that's a good point, and we're gonna get to it in a second. Uh, but that's a couple other things I want to say. But then you think about things like hurricanes and farmers who need rain, but it don't rain. Or you think about right. And one perspective on that is that God has these natural laws in order, and because we're in a sinful, fallen world, that's just a result. These natural occurrences are a result of that, right? And so it just is. It just is what it is. But I think Kenneth Copeland said something like he can command rain oh. to stop. Oh yeah, or something crazy to that extent, right? He's so articulate that you're like, whoa, you know. And he tell these stories. Kenneth yeah. Copeland, he got some stories, man. Yeah, and he'll tell you how he how he turned a, a tornado around. It was yeah. coming, and he rebuked it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and yeah yeah that, that that's a whole another thing but but we were talking about that today at church um my, my sermon was on pursuing the word of god and it's just like satan know the word as well and he'll oh, yeah. use that word to twist and pervert and do all this other kind of stuff and so you gotta kind of make sure it's in right the right context because we talk about the evil must be a spirit and it must be devil well, james tell us that when we're tempted you know it's not god it's the enemy right. who tempt us but he tempted us on our desires so one there's right. already something in you that you desire that's <laughs> 
causing him to tempt you. So that's one point. But then another thing, though, that um, um, we do see passages in the Bible where God allowed evil things to happen. And God actually commanded those evil things to happen. And so uh, an example with Jesus himself. If you read, um, I believe it's in John where it says, the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If you look at Job, God allowed Satan to do all those things to Job, right? Um, if you look at Paul, Paul was tripping. Jesus blinded his butt, right? And then, and, and then um, uh, was it Ananias or, or whoever came and, um, you know, uh, went to him and dropped the scales off his eyes and now he was serving in ministry and so so if we you know in our modern world we may say oh i went blind oh you know uh we may think like job friends oh you must have sinned or you must have did something right. wrong you must have did this but god wanted to do that so he can use that person for a certain thing so it's like again it depends on the wording right because sometimes god does allow certain things to happen so that way his will will be done I think I think at the end of the day, everything in this world is being allowed by God because he's God. If he wanted you to never cuss again, I bet he can make you never cuss again. But yeah, he allows us to exercise our free will. He yeah. allows us to do so. You know, at the end of the day, God you know, wants to let us learn to love him. Even the examples that you used, I shared this, this is one of my points today, that we want to count on God. But what if God wants to count on us? Mm. You know, we want we want to always say, man, I can count on God. But what if God wants to be, what if, he, what if he's counting on you? What if he's counting on you to stand up in a situation? and show that he's God in your life. What if you, as I said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into that fiery furnace, it turned a whole nation. Cause they was like, look, that God is the real God right there. Yeah. Why? Because God could count on them. You talked about Job, Job's another one. God knew he's like, go ahead, do what you do what you're gonna do. I, I can count on him. He, he He's gonna stay faithful. Paul is another individual that God, he can count on him. That if Paul is going to do what's best for God's kingdom, and that's a struggle for people, you know, can can God count on you? You want to count on God, but can God count on you? Man, that's that's a really good point um, because we are under grace. We're saved by grace, and God right. will forgive us. But sometimes right. we use that as an excuse, which is an why excuse. which is why a lot of people don't believe in once saved, always saved, because they think you're saying, oh, you just do whatever you want and you're Do saved. whatever you want. You know, <laughs> but uh, I heard a pastor's, I think it was Rick Warren, or it, I think it was at Rick Warren's church, but his, uh, one of his associate pastors said it, but he said, God will forgive you for, you know, when you fall short, but he also awards you or rewards you when you uh, could have fell short, but you didn't. Right. Uh, right. And, I, and, I, and right. I'm paraphrasing. Right. So so when you had an opportunity, when you're tempted for whatever, right? tempted or whatever. Right. And you can see this with Jesus, you know, so 
uh, or you, you, you can see the difference in Jesus and, and, and Eve, right? So when Eve was tempted, she sinned. And then immediately God did clothe them, and they had some consequences behind it, but he, he forgave them and still took care of them and still cared for them. Jesus, on the other hand, was tempted and overcame. And through that overcoming, he defeated death and sin. And, 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 and you know, and so, so, yes, grace will forgive us, but at the same time, God wants us to learn from it, grow from it. And, um, and when we um, don't act the way the world would act, or we, when we act differently and we act holy and set aside, that brings glory to God and other people get saved out yeah. of that. And so, yeah. so you know, we can't always just say, oh, well, I'll be forgiven. You know, God, want, God wants us to do the right thing as well and obey him. Right. Yeah. And, and I like what you said, because uh, as soon as you said it, I thought about that passage in James, because you you mentioned that we're tempted by, you know, we're never tempted by God, but we're drawn away by our own desires. Well, the verse right before that in James chapter one, verse 12, it says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Yeah. For he had for he when he is approved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That like literally, literally it says, exactly. God blesses those who patiently endure the testing and temptations. That it's yeah. like right there, and it's like, why do we, like, why do we use our our, our get out of jail free card, right? You know, and in the way, even the way we use the term grace, I was sharing this with somebody uh, yesterday, that grace, when you really look up this word, and you look at the word grace. Those that have access to a Strong's or Logos Bible software or something, blue blue letter Bible, look up the word grace. The word grace literally means that God is leaning in your direction, leaning towards you to give mm. you the benefit of himself. And so when you fall into sin, God leans in to pick you up, Right. When we're stumbling, it's like God just keep picking me up all the time. You know, and I don't know if you, anybody that's raised kids, man, it gets tiresome. That kid just keeps flopping down because he knows you're going to pick you up. You're going to pick them up. So they just flop down again so you can pick them up again. They flop down again. You can pick them up. Eventually, you're going to say, nope, go ahead and get up. (laughs) Go ahead and get up because I know you can. I'm not going to keep picking you up just so you can flop back down again. And that's what we do. That that that's what we do. That's what he said. That's why he says, "Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?" God forbid. You're just gonna keep flopping on the ground because God's gonna lean in and pick you up. No, God forbid. Eventually, you're gonna be mature, and like I said, God wants to see you overcome. He actually said that He would provide a way of escape in the temptation. That He'd help you. To and get there through. you go, giving the credit right back to Him. You know, uh, we talked about uh, today about how, um, again, we were on pursuing the word of God. And I talked about how before I was say, or well, when I would try to read the word of God when I was younger, it would be hard to understand. I get sleepy and I'm falling asleep. And then I got into a point where it's like the, the reality of it is I didn't understand God's word because I didn't belong to him. 
and it, mm. um, and that mm. was a hard pill to swallow, right? But yeah. if you belong to God, He gives you the Holy Spirit, and that Holy yeah. Spirit will teach you and empower you and yeah. help you to learn His Word and understand His Word. Even Jesus, His disciples asked why He spoke in parables, and He said, "I speak in parables for those who don't believe, so the Scriptures may be fulfilled that they won't they 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 won't believe, they won't know, or otherwise they will turn and be saved." And so when right. we when we uh, turn to Christ and and, and um, put our faith in him, we uh, we will start to understand what he's saying, but we can't do that without him. So that glory goes to God. Uh, Restoring right. Broken Women said, uh, it doesn't have to be God, but we should give praise in all things. That's what the word says. Right. And I, and I, I would agree, we should give praise in all things. Uh, and, and like, and I, I, I think this was, this comment came up when we were talking about the house. So I want to kind of go back right. to like, oh, I got the house and you right. know, God, I, I'll say this. I, I do believe that God blesses stewardship. Right. And so, like you said, my credit score good. I handle my business. God know I can handle it. I took care of my last house and I got a house. I, I believe God opens those some doors for you. And so again, there's no problem in giving God the praise in that. Right. Um, also, um, also, I believe God closes doors too. Like you know, sometimes it's like, hey, this is this is not this is not the time, or this is not right for you. Kind of like a parent would with their child. My child right. want to drive before sixteen. I'm be like, no, the law says you gotta wait to sixteen. You can hurt yourself. You can hurt somebody else when you turn sixteen, or even when they turn sixteen. I may or may not get them a car. You're not mature enough yet. You need to learn a little bit more. You know, and so I believe God closes doors as well, right? Um, but but at the same time, I also believe that God allows us, based off of the wisdom and knowledge he gave us in his word, to make some of those decisions on our own. So, for example, if I do got the good credit and I do got it, I can decide right. to go get this huge house, right? right. And I, it may sound like a blessing, but now because I got this huge house note, now I have to spend so much time at work, putting in work. overtime, <laughs> spend, spending time away from my family, spending time away from ministry. and do, like This is something I'm actually really uh, dealing with right now as I get ready to go to retirement. I'm like, if I, if I didn't have as much debt as I have, I could possibly lower my living standards, live off my retirement only, and I can do a lot more for the kingdom. But because I put myself in a certain situation, I have to make a certain amount of money to a certain point. So I've been praying that, you know, eventually I'll pay off some things, maybe work another job for another five, six years after the military, but then get to a point where my kids are out, debt is done. Now I can take a job that doesn't require much out of me so I can do this more. I can do more for my church. I can I can move into that different season in life. And so what we say is a blessing from God may actually be taking us away from doing what God want us to do. Right. And on the flip side of that, you brought up something that I think is very important and I don't want anybody to miss is that sometimes God will, will close the door or he'll tell you no. Mm -hmm. Now, if you believe that, then that's giving God credit for what we would call something that's not good. Mm. You didn't get the job, but you believe that it's for the good. You yeah. didn't get the house, but you believe that it's for the good. Because scripture says in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. And uh, when you understand that, that whatever you're going through, if you're living for God and you're living for his purpose, then all things that happen to you, God is working them 
for the good, the overall good, and the good meaning his good. Yeah. Not this world's good, but his good, which supersedes this world's good, and it may include some of the world's goods. <laughs> Man. Let me, let me you tell know you. Yeah, no, no, that's that's good because also looking at my um, mom's comment where it says, I'm going to pull it back up. It says, it doesn't have to be God, but we should give God praise in all things. Yes. And then you you hit on it. All things includes all things. So that's, things, even, right. that's even the bad, too. Right. right. Even uh, what we would say is bad, right? Because uh, let me come here real quick. Look at Romans 5, verse 3. Oh, yeah. It says, oh, yeah. we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence and hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And so Paul often talks about he praised God even in his suffering. He praised God even when things are going bad. And um, and that's one of the things that if you want to see me get real defensive at a at a preacher preaching at something, you know, is <laughs> somebody saying that God won't do something because your faith is not strong enough. Um, right. Like, for example, I was at a church where he's like, hey, if you have the strong enough faith, then God will heal you. Meanwhile, it was a lady who was a paraplegic who wouldn't get healed. And so – you don't know that, like, it may not be God's will for her to be healed. Maybe God is using her injury to teach one of her other family members about love and taking care of somebody and about grace and that kind of thing. We, just, we don't know because I think about the guy who was blind and everybody was like, well, who's saying that this man is blind? And God, and Jesus said, nobody. God did this so he can get so he can get glory, right? And so that's the other thing, too, is when we give God praise in all things, we got to give them the praise in the bad. I don't know about you, Anthony, but it's really hard to get the praise during the bad. What's going you know, on, Laura? I, I think I think there 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 are times, you know, when it's harder than others, right? Certain situations where you're you're you you were expecting something to go a certain way, and you yeah. really had your heart in it, right? Yeah. Man, there's been stuff I really had my heart in, like okay, this has got to be God. This is you know this door is gonna open, and God. And it don't open, you know. I think it's Thessalonians 5 um, um, 18 that he says, In everything, give thanks, right? For this is the will of God concerning us in Christ Jesus. That verse that you just pulled up in Romans, I had did a study on that verse. And in the King James or New King James, it says, And we glory in tribulation. The term um, uh, to glory in tribulation actually means to have. Godfidence or God-given confidence in tribulation. And the reason why he has confidence is because of what the, the verse said, that the tribulation is going to produce good character. That's why he's confident. You know, uh, he says uh, rejoice. That term rejoice, if you, you know, trace it back, it's glory or it is to celebrate or to have confidence. Because when you run into these trials, they're going to produce endurance. They're going to develop strength of character. They're going to cause us to have confidence of our salvation. And so this is a good thing. Yeah. That's why he's saying he rejoices in the trial. The trial, that, that term trial there means uh, uh, immense suffering. Yeah. It means 
strong feelings of suffering like man this is hard right and those of us that have been through things that have just been difficult for us how do you keep your head up how do you lift your head up in that you've got to know that no matter what i go through and i said this years ago and a guy said man you sure you want to say that i said lord my prayer is that everything that i go through makes me into the man that you want me to be I don't want yeah. one trial to be wasted. I don't want to just go through stuff just to go through it. If I yeah. got to go through some hard stuff, then I want it to develop me into the person that you want me to be, the minister that you want me to be, the the, the father you want me to be, the husband you want me to be. I want it to be worthwhile. You know, I, I'm not perfect, like, like the church says, but I'm proven over time, right? That God, you work on me and shape me and mold me into the person that you want me to be. Rather than I just go through junk, right? Just go through stuff for no reason. Just get beat up yeah. in life, you know. No, that's no, that, no, that's good. And this, matter of fact, I'm gonna go back to the verse. You know, um, you know, blessed money. My ministry is about uh, helping people understand the Bible by taking a Bible scripture and sharing a testimony on how this has happened in your life, so they never really understand the scripture. This particular <laughs> scripture, small example of this. Because some people may not get it. They may say, hey, you know, when I'm going through trials, I don't know how I can see the rejoice in that. But it's typically on the back end, looking back when you see it, right? And so I remember going through basic training. I remember the first night. So I'm super excited I got to the Air Force. We on the bus. You know, we all having a good time, you know, laughing with each other, talking about what jobs we want to do, what jobs we got, the whole nine. And then that T.I. gets there, right? That uh, training instructor gets on the bus. Shut up. Get your badge in your left hand. <laughs> and no matter everything you had, you had to hold it in one hand. You know, so if you came with a whole bunch of stuff, you had to have it. Could you salute with your right hand? So yeah. he was getting us ready to be able to have our right hand free to salute or whatever. So get everything you, in your left hand. I got on size like 58 pants because back then we wore baggy <laughs> pants, right? My pants falling. My, I'm trying to carry all this stuff. They yelling at us. We get up to our bay. And he's like stripped down. So we had to strip down our underwear and he made us clean the bay with our clothes that we had. I mean, and I remember laying in bed that night. Like, man, did I just sell my soul to the devil? Oh man. What in the world did I just sign up for, man? I'm like, and I'm trapped here now. It's like, it it ain't no going back, I'm stuck. And then I remember graduating. And I remember how I grew these bonds with everybody I was there with. We all went through trials and troubles together. We all, you know, it was a tough, hard experience. But on the back end of that, it taught me how to be a man. It taught me how to be responsible. I had a career. And so that is what that scripture is, is telling us, too. Like, even when we're, when we're going through certain things, it's building character in us. It's giving us wisdom. And so you should learn from that, even yeah. if it's something as bad as, hey, I went through a divorce. You know, what did you learn from that? What happened in that time frame? It was tough. It was bad. But now, if I get into another relationship, I should learn from those mistakes, those issues, and I should do things better. You know, and that's where I think God's grace comes in, right? Because when we fall, like you said, God leans in. He helps pick us up. And he expects us when we come to that situation again, we should know and grow from it. And that's what basic training that's what basic training was doing for us. It's like, hey, we're going to take away all your freedom. We're going to take away all your niceties. We're going to put you through this high level of stress. So then that way, in the future, if you're in the middle of a war zone 
and you're dealing with high level of stress, this, that's not going to be the first time you went through it. And you're going to know how to react and overcome. And so that, that, that scripture, anytime I read that scripture, I think back to how miserable I felt in basic training. But then on the back end, it built my character. It built my endurance. It built my confidence. You know, all those, all those kind of things. Uh, let's see what uh, some people were saying. We got a couple comments. Uh, look, my mom talked about the military now. She said, that's why I used to give you the analogy about a person in the military. Why would the enemy give their secret weapons if you're not part of them? And why would God give you his word and his spiritual understanding if you're not a part of him? Amen. That's good. That's, that, good. that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and then she said, I agree with Anthony. I want to go through the, I want to go through for the glory of God and his will and his purpose. And I tell you, I, I, I like to say that, that I want to do that and I'll do it. But when it happens, man, I was just talking to the pit crew, uh, the passenger training crew about some, you know, um, about how um, when you're going through stuff, you got to lean on God's word. You got to lean on God's promises, right? And so with me getting ready to transition out of uh, the Air Force, you know, I've been a little anxiety, a little, I've been doing this since I was 19, like what's gonna happen when I get out? You know, what happens if I don't get a job, this and that. Now I know I go to verses where God speaks about, you know, look at the birds, you know, they, right, they right. so, but I feed them. Look at the lilies, they, they're clothed better than um, Solomon was, right? But one day they're here, the next day they're thrown in the furnace, right? And so I, I know that God's gonna take care of me, even if, I remember, I remember uh, doing, um, uh, homeless ministries, right? And I remember, remember thinking about that verse, like how, man, these people are homeless, they don't have no jobs, but guys, they still got clothes. Some of them got cell phones. Uh, uh, especially in L.A., like if I ever had to be homeless, I probably would just take my last pennies and get out to <laughs> L.A. <laughs> because cause L.A., right. the weather's nice, um, the homelessness is like, just normal there but you know but i remember looking at this homeless community right and we would go and we'll say hey we got socks or we got this and we got that and these people will say you know i got i don't need those but so and so down the way he needs that right and, and i'm thinking like god's even providing for these people and so now i forward back to me with the anxiety i'm dealing with about get ready to get out and i was telling the uh, pit crew guys i was like i know god word and i know god take care of me but one thing i question and i don't want to be too cocky like peter was like i'll never deny you god if i i know that if i got out the military i didn't have a job i got family who would take me in i got church who would give me food pantry stuff i got people that would take care of me. i know i know without a doubt god will still make sure i'm taken care of but will I still follow and trust God if I was down and bad that way, right? And that's something, you know, we can say I'll trust God in those suffering, but I just pray in advance that if I ever get in that situation, I don't lose my hope. I don't lose salvation, and I depend on God. Yeah. Um, I think uh, uh, your mom, Restoring Broken Women, will appreciate this. But when I was growing up, they said, you know, um, and, and, and until you needed healing, you didn't know he was a healer. You know, mm. until you were in that courtroom, you didn't know he could be a lawyer. <laughs> you know, and yeah. until you were losing your mind, you didn't know he could be a mind regulator. You know, they used to say stuff like that when I was growing up, is that it's almost like to really know, you end up having to go through these things. To know that, to really know God as a provider there had to be a time where he had to provide for you. Yeah. And once you've gone through that, 
you then have a confidence, uh, uh, as my, my man Willie G. Berry says, a confidence. <laughs> it's a God confidence, not a confidence in yourself, but a confidence in God that he is who he says he is and he keeps his word. Like you said, yeah. there's, you know, intellectually, um, emotionally, you're like, man, I know what the word says. I know what it says and I can feel it inside of me that God's going to do it. But when it comes down to it, man, should I, you know, will I, will I trust it? You know, will I I hang in there? You know, if I do get to that point, you know, amen. Yeah. 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 I I mean, it's one of those things. I try not to be all overconfident, right? Because you, you never know. You know, I I said all the time, I served with people in the military who, before we got overseas, was you thought they were the most confident thing. You never know how you're going to react until you go through it. But also, too, I think we can learn from others, too. Like, uh, they got the saying, you know, praise in public, punish in private, or whatever. But every now and then, especially at basic training, if somebody messed up, the T.I. would say it loud enough for everybody else to hear. And if he do that, he expect you not to make that same mistake, right? right? And so, you know, if you you know, you may have somebody close to you who God came through for. You know, you can learn it that way as well. But you're right, though. Nobody really knows what it's like in Iraq unless you've been over to Iraq, right? Until you until you experience it. So that's a that's a real a, a valid point. Well, let's let's yeah. transition over to like um, natural disasters and natural issues. You know, let's talk what what we would call evil. You know, uh, and here's I was how. Uh, before you transition, you got okay. a lot of comments that popped up. Okay, let's see what they say. Let's see. Uh, not the pennies. Did I say something? Who said? Yeah, you said you was going to take your last pennies and go. Oh, and get over there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's right. I did. So I'm take my last pennies and get to L.A. I'm telling you, man, like, the homeless people in L.A., they got, like, a nice little community. I'm sure it still sucks. Matter of fact, we've met uh, one guy who rode, he rode his bike. He rode his bike to go do work or whatever, and he would come back and just live in this little tent. And so we was praying with him and talking to him, and we was like, "Why are you homeless, man? Like it seemed like you could, it seemed like you, right. could, you know, you know, you're doing you pretty well. It. You got a job that you go to. You come back to the homeless community, and he, and he like he he enjoy. He's stress free. He you know he make his little money. He come back to his little tent, you know, and he's good. And then you got um." I had a buddy, uh, a guy in my church, you know, me and him got real close, but he was homeless for a while. And we in the church went and got a home for him. And he was like, he don't want to go to the home because he can't take all his stuff. They're going to make him put his stuff away. And so he rather have been homeless than go to that shelter. And so I'm like, man, I mean, if I had to be homeless, L.A. is the place. That's the place to be homeless. You know, I I talked to somebody about that and I, I had to, because our church does a lot of ministry to the homeless. Um, in Colorado, there was a point where we had all these tent cities. We called them tent cities because there were so many tents grouped mm-hmm. in these places. So we would go to the tent cities. We'd take backpacks full of stuff, you know, toiletries, food, deodorant, like you said, T-shirts, socks. You know, we'd pile it into these backpacks and we'd take and drop off the backpacks. You know, we have... Uh, you know, easy to eat food, stuff that would pop tops that they could just open up and eat, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. Some of those guys had propane tanks and they were 
you know, man. cooking out there, man. We walk up and they barbecue it. They're like, yeah. what? I'm I'm Charlie, it's like a community, man. <laughs> you guys I are came homeless. across this one couple. They had they had found electricity to some building, so they had a yeah. long extension. They in there watching TV on their phone. Yeah, I'm like, man. what is going on over yeah. here, man? Yeah, man. This one dude had his dog and everything like that. And I had to tell our church, I said, we got to understand. You don't look down on these people with pity. You go and you ask if they need, if they don't need anything, they'll point you to who who does. Like you yeah, said, they will. they'll say, oh, man, my man over here, he ain't man. Can you help him out? And we go over there, help that individual out. But all that, oh, we got to go help these poor people. We got to shake that idea because it's almost disrespectful because some of them like man i'm i'm living better than you you got all the stress of your house note your car note you got to mm-hmm. drive in this traffic every day to go to work my life is peaceful i'm sitting out here i got my bible i got my my little place to sleep it's quiet i don't got to deal with that stuff they they actually feel good about where they're at and we're looking down do. like oh you know you can't want to live like that now now yeah. now we're making judgment we're being prideful but if they need help They'll tell you that they need help. When it got cold, man, we put people up in, in, in hotel rooms and, you know, motel rooms and things like that. But I I, I, I'm, I agree with you, man. Sometimes the, the homeless are living better than some of us that are living in nice homes. They feel like, oh, I don't want what you got. Yeah. I mean, and and so, yeah, I, I even I only really even brought it up was to say that I know that God's still going to take care of us regardless what regardless. Situ- regardless of what the situation is, but but yeah, what will my attitude be like in that situation, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, I just pray that that is good. Uh, let's see, um, says amen to what Anthony said. Yes, I do appreciate that. I'm not sure what that, yeah, was she's, for. she's talking about you know, when I talked about a lawyer in the courtroom, a doctor, and in, in, you know, on the heel, I, I knew she'd appreciate that because you know, oh, yeah. uh. The, the, the saints of old they 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 remember that kind of stuff that you don't you don't know them until you go through those things like we were talking about amen and then godfidence knowing i can i can't but god can yeah no that's uh that's good that uh actually uh i talked about that I, that's how i actually concluded my sermon today uh jeremiah what is it 13 23 i believe can a leopard change the spots that that verse mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, we gotta have empathy for those who are lost because they cannot change unless they, you know. But what we can't do, like you trying to understand God's word without the Holy Spirit, is like you trying to change the color of your skin. Not gonna happen, right? Um, you trying to save yourself without the Holy Spirit, without God, without the Father, it's not gonna happen. It's like a leopard trying to change the spots. Um, but what you can't do is what's impossible with you is possible with God, right? And so. So anyhow, yeah, no, those are all good points. But um, before we wrap up the question of why does God get the credit for the good, we kind of talked about why he get the good, but let's talk about the bad, the evil, the um, the uh, natural disasters, the, the, the kids starving and dying at a young age and all those kind of things. Um, how would you, I, I know how I re- will respond, but I want you to go first, and then I'll share, share my thoughts as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think those are always difficult because it's almost like we have to change um, our church jargon, you know, 
um, and we have to become more real and more um, um, empathetic that in this world, uh, because this is a fallen world, this is not heaven. Um, sin has corrupted this world and there's tragedies and there is evil in this world that is not always from God, but it is the outworking of sin um, that God is, you know, because like people will say, oh, well, Hurricane Katrina was God punishing, you know, that, that this nation for this, this and this. And that's why poor children are dying and things like that is because of our sin. But um, there's always been disasters. Right. And I think it's Luke. I think it's Luke 13. I think it's Luke 13. It might be Luke 13 where Jesus says um, when they confronted him and they said, hey, Jesus, um, Pilate killed these people and mingled their blood into the sacrifice. And Jesus said, do you think that they're worse sinners than you because they died this way? He said, if you don't repent, you will perish just as they did. Then he goes on to say, well, what about the people who died, the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? He said, are they worse than you because they died this way? He said, no. He said, if you don't repent, we all, you all will perish. And I felt like when I was reading that, I was like, Jesus is cold. <laughs> I was like, he's, he's, he's cold. But what he's saying is that basically we're all going to die in some way, shape, or form. There's going to be an event that takes us out, and we don't know what it's going to be. But what is your relationship with God? And us as believers, we're looking at tragedies, and we're standing by, and we're saying, pour this and pour that. But we're not getting out there preaching the gospel, you know, so that that individual who ends up in that tragedy knows where they're going when they leave here. You know, parents aren't raising up their children to know the Lord because if that stray bullet hits them and, and they don't know the Lord, we don't know what the outcome is going to be because we go back to the age of accountability. We don't know mm -hmm. if they were at the age where they rejected or accepted Christ. We don't know. That's why the Bible says train up your children. That's why he says, you know, for us to teach our children to diligently love the Lord, the, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And, and then we got to believe that God is merciful, that if a child is below that age of being able to make a decision for themselves, that God is just going to receive that child back to them. And so that child's in a better place anyway, you know, than, than we are, you know, if, if, you know, if they weren't at that age where they can make that God is merciful. I know he's going to receive that child. He's not going to punish a child for sin that they don't even know anything about. I just, I just can't believe that. I just, uh, I won't believe that. Because he said, even Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. We talked about that on Friday. If he's telling the children to come unto him, you think the father's not saying that Yeah. in heaven? You know, let them children come to me. I'm going to take care of them. And so I think when tragedies and things like that happen, it's, there's a for me, there's a twofold answer. Number one is that we know it's coming. So what type of life should we be living? Should we be making sure that people know the Lord? Because I could go at any time. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. a tornado can sweep through Colorado. We get tornadoes in Colorado, right? Tornado can sweep through Colorado and I could be gone. Car accident. I could yeah. be gone. I, I mean, th there's a lot of over the last couple of years, I've seen so many deaths and I've been to so many funerals. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I know that 
at any time any of us no matter how much you know we read the bible it could be our time because we don't know our time so at the end of the day do we know the lord and then number two when it comes down to children i just feel like god is merciful and he won't cast those children away and they won't suffer for their parents mistakes or what have you i i just don't think that god you know plays those type of games yeah yeah no nah, before i ask i'm gonna go to emmanuel's uh comment so he says uh so children aren't innocent talking 12 and below children and so emmanuel if you're just checking in so friday uh anthony and joe did a, a live stream where they did a q a they answered questions and one of the questions was what is the age of accountability and the Bible doesn't mention an age of accountability. Uh, I think you all might have talked about it, said it, this came from um, Jewish tradition. Did, was that you said yeah. that? Did I, yeah. yeah. The Jewish tra tradition says uh, 13, you know, because that's when they do the, I think it's called the bar mitzvah, and it's the transition from a child to a man, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of a Jewish yeah. tradition, but it's not actually in the Bible. Yeah. So. So then the question is, is are our children innocent, right? And I think that's a tough question to, to answer. <laughs> and so I, I want to I wanna make sure I, I, I phrase what I want to say uh, uh, properly. So, <laughs> so one, we're all sinners. We're born in the sin. We all sin, right? Um, and so are children innocent? I don't know that I would say they're innocent when it comes to God's standard but I will say that God is just and God God will judge somebody justly so he will know if a child actually understood the, their shortcomings or not that's probably the best way I could say that then you specifically said talking children 12 and below and so earlier on in show me Anthony talked about the age of accountability actually might be younger than what we think and here's why uh, or younger than what we're comfortable with, right? So you said 12 and below. Where I stand and where I believe in my heart, knowing that God is just, knowing that he um, cannot allow an unforgiven sinner to go to heaven, uh, um, I believe uh, that God uh, knows the heart of that child. And Absolutely. they know, and I believe that whatever the age of accountability is, whatever that age is, um, I believe it's a child, when a child has the understanding or the ability to be able to know if they want to choose Jesus or not. So, like, say a newborn baby that died when they're born, they don't have that ability to accept Christ. So, I believe, and again, I don't know that I would say that child is innocent. Right, but what I would say is, I believe God is merciful that He would that He would accept that child. That child will go to heaven. If, you know, that's just my my. You know, that's what I believe. Now, what I will say is this about children twelve and under, an eleven year old or a ten year old. There are eleven year olds and ten year olds who can decide that hey, I rather, I I I, I rather uh, watch cartoons than to know about God. Or I know what God's words say, but I'm going to do X, Y, and Z anyway. Now, will God take into account that immaturity? Maybe. I, you know, maybe. I, I, I can't speak for God. But um, I do think with the technology that's come out, I do think with all the options we have in the world, I do think that Satan is targeting children for a reason. You know, yeah. uh, getting them to believe 
his truth instead of God's truth at a young age. And I think that we as adults sometimes are a little uh, ignorant to how smart children are. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. When I was coaching uh, my son's basketball team, I think they were like five or five and six years old. And I never coached a basketball team before, right? And so I'm getting online, I'm looking at how to coach and doing all this other kind of stuff. And one of the advice I got online was uh, treat those five and six year olds like they're high schoolers. Don't let them get away with double dribbling. Don't let, right. you know, don't, you know, just train them the proper way of how to play the sport, right? And it also said, because they're so young, don't stay stuck on one thing too long. So, you know, if I do a drill, do it for no more than two minutes and then start another drill. And then because their attention span is shorter. And uh, but they're at that age, they're able to actually learn a lot more. Their, their brains are like sponges. They're able to take in a lot more than actual adults. So I was I, I took that advice. I was super militant with my five and six year olds. I mean, I taught them how to dribble with both hands. I taught them anytime they double dribble, I would make them stop. And so this this team that I coached, all the other coaches at that age group allowed their kids to do that. They didn't. They treated them like they were five and six year olds. When I say we just straight smashed on every team in the league, it was they they literally had to make up another rule for my team. They said my guys on defense could not go past the free throw line because yep. the other kids couldn't even get a shot off. Soon they passed the ball, we taking it. And my kids would get mad when they double dribble. Coach, coach, they're double dribbling and the ref not calling it. But I bring that up to say we as adults look at those five and six-year-olds like they're too young to understand. But And, and all the other coaches did that with their five and six-year-olds, but I didn't. And, and it, when it was time, when it was go time, you can see the difference. And so I bring that up to say, I don't know what the age of accountability is. God does. And God knows if that child purposely rejected him or, or not, right? Whatever that age is. And that's that's kind of where my stance is at. What's your what what's your stance, uh Yeah. Anthony? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know about the term innocent because, you know, like you said, all of sin and falling short of the glory of God that we are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. That's what David said. Um, I think at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. God knows the heart, right? We don't know the heart. Um, in Matthew chapter um, 19, verses 13 through 15, it says, Then there were brought unto him little children, and that he should lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. The disciples decided, like you were saying, oh, these children... They're not old enough to understand. They don't know what's going on. Don't let them come, right? Don't don't let them. Yeah, the disciples stopped them. Uh, you know, rebuked them, scolded them. You know, uh, the parent, even the parents, for bothering him. But Jesus said, "Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children." Mm -hmm. And he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. Uh, before he left and then this is important I, this this is the picture Jesus came to show us the father right and so if this is Jesus's attitude about children what's what's the father's attitude about children yeah well Jesus you know, didn't say anything that he didn't get unless he heard it from the father so unless he heard it from the father <laughs> so there it is those children he's gonna say bring them to me 
you know, he's going to take care of the children. And I, and, and I stick by what I said. I believe that God, like you said, knows the heart and he is merciful to these children and he is not going to let anybody keep them Man. out because he says the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Now that, that statement there says that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's, it's, it's like these children. And so, uh, God, I believe has a love for children and he's going to take care of them. And that's why Jesus is saying to these yeah. disciples, why are y'all trying to keep children from me? And I think even in the statement of this age of accountability, there's two sides to it. And some of it is, oh, well, you know, a, a, a manipulative thing that, you know, you're trying to keep somebody out. We're, really, we should be knowing that God doesn't want anyone to perish. And so if God is not willing for anyone to perish, he's definitely not going to let no children perish. Right. I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit is like urging me to say this. Because we earlier we talked about grace and how people use grace as an excuse to keep sinning. This right. is an area where I pray for God grace. And I, I'm just going to, I'm going to put this out and this may be like a Debbie Downer moment or whatever, but reading this verse just reminded me of something. I remember, um, I think, was it Alex? Somebody I was doing a show with said they were saved since they were a kid. Like they yeah. always loved God. They loved God I'm, ever since they was a little kid. And I'm going to tell you what makes me want to seek God's grace in this. I see my kids sometimes. I know they ain't thinking nothing about God. And, and 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 this is the message for parents. If your kid, I think about God, you need to get on with evangelizing them and sparing the yeah. gospel with them because there are <laughs> some kids who want to know God, who right. wants to pray. Like little kids, like I remember when I was teaching the the youth in L.A. These kids love Jesus. Yeah, they they want to know about him. They want to hear his word. Um, the parents would come to me and be like. Uh, um, Rico, I don't know what you're teaching the kids back there, but my daughter, she she went to her room and closed the door, and we're like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Oh well, uh, uh, Coach Rico, I had the kids calling me Coach. Coach Rico yeah. said when you pray, you go to your your room and you close the door and you pray." And then, and and this little girl, I think she was like girl. five or six, would minister to her parents and convicted her parents because mm. here she is in her quiet place, in yeah. her quiet place praying to God. And then I feel like, man, I look at my kid, I'm like, man, why don't they love God like this? And so right. I, I'm like, God, please, you know, let, let my kids come to know you. Don't let them perish. Show grace to them. Have mercy on them. And he did it for me because when I was a kid, I wasn't thinking about him. So and, yeah. and, and when I went to Iraq, and I had plenty of close calls in Iraq. I'm telling you, I did not think I was coming back from Kirkuk. I thought I was going to die in Kirkuk. And if wow. I'd have died, I could cook. I would. I would have went to hell. But God showed me mm. enough grace and mercy for me to survive that until I knew Him. And so we don't know when God is going to take our kids. And there are some five and six year olds who love God with all their heart. Right. And so that age of accountability might be younger. I said again, it might be younger than what we're comfortable. You know what we're comfortable with. But like you said, even if it is younger than what we're comfortable with, we got to know that God's desire for them to be saved is even greater than ours. Yeah, then that's a and good so, point. Like you said, he wants them to be saved. That's why he says, let these children come to me. He wants them to be saved. 
Yeah, and, and Tim agrees. It's different for each individual. It really is. So, you know, because we talked earlier about somebody may have a disability or, or, or whatever, yeah. you know. But, again, God wants him to be say he knows our heart. He'll make that call. So Amen. hopping back in on the evil, right? Um, so, and, and Anthony kind of shared his thoughts. I'm going to share a couple of things. It's for those who question God's goodness, right, and they blame him for the bad and the evil in the world, I would encourage you to read the last few chapters of Job, starting at Job 38. I'm going to pull – I'll pull up a little bit of it, uh, but it's so much. I can't read it all because guys yeah. go at Job for a hot minute. Uh, he go at him for a hot minute for thinking this way and his friends. But um, before I go to, to, the, to that passage, before I go to Job 38, I'll give this example. Who are we as the created to tell the creator what is good and what is evil? Right? There's even some people who say, I won't I won't even serve a God who would send somebody to hell. Well, who are you to judge God? Right? And that's essentially what happens to Job. And I use it like this. AI is popping right now. Artificial intelligence, right? I'm pretty sure we're probably about five years away from uh that robot from the Jetsons, right? Where we can have yeah, a made right. robot that'll talk to us and do everything right. for us. Like that I believe that is right around the corner. Matter of fact, it's probably already out. It's just probably not available to the public yet. Uh, you know, but imagine that you created this AI robot. Like, you created a robot, and you gave, you allowed this robot to do certain things. The robot can make certain decisions and do certain things. And at some point, that robot stopped doing what you created it to do. You have the choice when you take that robot out of commission. So when people say, oh, well, God, he's a murderer, he's killing people, he's doing, you have, because you are the creator of that robot, you get to determine how long you're going to allow that robot to not operate the way it's supposed to, right? Or not do what it's supposed to do. You can take it out of commission or, or, or whatever the case may be. And so it's, it's, it's like that with God. But see, God created us to have free choice and a free will. He didn't create us like robots, right? And so with the ability to have free will, we eventually are going to do things that doesn't align with, with what God says is right. And out of his grace, he allowed us to do that for a season, but eventually you're going to have to, you're going to have to face him. And so anyway, Joe was going through all this stuff. His friends were saying, you know, he must've sinned or he must've did that. I think one of the friends, I'm sorry. I know that's probably loud in y'all ear, but uh, I hit my microphone, but I know one of the friends was, um, what what you say? They have robot waitresses at this pizza place in Atlanta. See, there it is. There, there it is. I mean, and I bet you that robot is limited on what they add this new Chat GPT to it. That robot gonna be able to do a whole lot more than just bring you a pizza. Um, but anyhow, uh, but um, anyway, Joe was like, I demand God to tell me what's going on. I don't want to hear from none of y'all jokes. I want to hear from God himself. And when he heard from God. His tone changed up real fast, right? Um, and so that's what I want to encourage people who think God is evil. God gets to determine what is good and what is evil. We don't. And so God, you know, he rose up on Job and he answered Job from a whirlwind. Who is it that questioned my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Like, you want to be real careful with how much you push God, right? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? 
Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation? And who laid its cornerstones as as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? And God just go on asking him all this stuff that he cannot answer, right? And I think eventually in... Um, so again, here we are, chapter 39, and God just still giving it to him. Do you know when the wild goats give birth? Have you watched as a deer is born in the wild? Do you know how many months they carry their young? Are you aware of the time of the, the, of the delivery, right? He, he's going into all these things that, this, that Job doesn't have an answer for, but he thinks he knows God. Uh, he he thinks he can answer what God should do, right? And then, um, then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answer to these? And then Job replied, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Then the Lord challenged him again, gave him even more. You don't want to come and God. Think of, look, do a search of your Bible and look at how people responded when they saw an angel, let alone God. When people saw angels, they were fearful, right? And so, if we really understood how much power God has and what God actually does, and just think about the stars in the galaxy, right? God knows every single one of them. And so I, um, I've seen this analogy where this guy made this circle. And he was like, if this circle represents all the knowledge in the world, what God knows, I know about a, not even a speck inside this circle, right? And that's just the reality. So when we say, okay, well, why does God allow evil to happen? Why, you know, why does God allow suffering to happen? God may know that because God is, is in, in eternity. He's not bound by time. So your little bit of suffering is a little spectacle on eternity. So if you look at, I think uh, Frank Turek, he's an apologist. He said, he gave this example. It, it might have been Frank. It might have been somebody else. But he said, you take a baby, right? A, a male baby when they're born. And you circumcise him. If that baby... If that baby's whole life was just he got circumcised and he died, right? Then all that you know that little bit of uh, that that time of pain, um, that that baby might have experienced his whole, that whole life might have been his pain, right? But now you take an adult, somebody who's 50, 60 years old. I'm 60 years old. I got circumcised when I was a day old, right? That time of suffering and pain is nothing now that I'm 60 years old. It's so far removed that I don't even remember it, don't even think about it. But at that time, it was painful. But, you know, it, it served a purpose. And so when we look at our stuff in eternity, our time here on earth, whatever pain we dealt with here, whatever pain, because uh, I think the guy who questioned Frank was like, what about that kid who is starving? And, and all God got to do is be able to feed this kid. Or what about that farmer who needed rain and, and or, or he would lose everything and God could have just made it rain or whatever for that person. God may know, maybe if he made it rain for this guy, then something else across the world would have happened or not happened or whatever the case may be. We don't know that. We don't know why God allows certain things or don't allow certain things. But even that guy who's dealing with that suffering for that little bit of time, if he belonged to God, once he get into eternity, that little bit of suffering is going to be like the baby who got circumcised, but now he's 70 years old. It's, it's yeah. not going to be nothing. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, uh, 
when we look at God, we have to believe that he is everything that he says he is. Yeah. And if, and if we believe that, then when suffering comes, when things don't go our way, we've got to understand that our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. Yeah. The Bible says as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how much greater his thoughts and ways are than ours. In other words, we can't even fathom, you know, how God is working all these things out together for the good. We don't know how he's doing it because we're playing checkers. He's playing chess and he's a thousand moves ahead. And this is why we should listen. <laughs> this is why we should obey him. This is why we should, you know, look to him for direction and guidance because he knows the end at the beginning. This is the God we're talking about that knows the end at the beginning. And we're sitting around questioning the after aftermath instead of saying, oh, God, I need to be following you. <laughs> I need to be trusting you. I need to be obeying you, you know, so that I can be on the same page as you because you're doing things that I can't even keep up with. I have no idea what you're doing. But it's not that God doesn't want us to know. A lot of times we're just viewing God from, you know, the stands like a, a, a fan in the basketball game who's screaming at the coach saying, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. And they cheer yeah. when the team scores and then they boo when they don't. And at the end of the game, you win. Man, coach, that was a great game. If you yeah. lose, man, this coach sucks. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's how we're doing point. God. That's, that's exactly how we're doing God. You know, God, you suck because it didn't turn out the way I hoped it would. You know, somebody asked me that the other day. They said, uh, Pastor, should we be praying for the Nuggets to win? <laughs> I said, look, man, you want to pray that God's will be done. If the Nuggets winning brings people to Christ, then sure. But what if the Nuggets losing is just as powerful? You know, mm. I don't, it's not about the game. It's about God's will, not about the game. There's some people that their life was turned to God through losing football and not yeah. being able to play anymore. And they found their true calling <laughs> because yeah. they couldn't play anymore. So it's just, you know, we don't know God's plan, but God is always at work. And a lot of times we get off track and he's like that GPS and he just recalibrates it and gets you back on track. All you got to do is stop and listen and obey and he'll get you back on track. And so when we're talking about tragedy and things like that, yeah, like you told Joe, hey, stand up and answer me like a man. Yeah. Were yeah. you there? Were, were you there when I or do, you, do you know how I put Orion's belt in the sky? Yeah. <laughs> do you know how I did that? You don't know how I did that. So you really can't ask me these questions. You're going to have to trust me and let me be God. Yeah, I believe that movie Bruce Almighty with, uh, I can't remember the guy's name right now. Uh, um, Carrie. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Jim yeah. Carrey, yeah. I, I, that is essentially what happened to him in that movie. Like, okay, you think you can be God. All right, we you got think you can be God. <laughs> yeah, you think you can handle this? This man went crazy <laughs> trying to do everything that God do. Um, but yeah, no. Again, by the end of the day, we know eternity. God promised us eternity. And here's here's what it boils down to. And we're going to um, 
go ahead and wrap this up. And uh, I want to show a couple, uh, two clips for our Digital Pew segment, and we'll close out tonight. But here's what it, um, here's what it ultimately boils down to, is that uh, at the end of the day, God promised us eternity with Him if we accept Jesus Christ. And when we get into eternity, all the pain and the sorrow and all that other stuff gonna go away. Christ defeated death when He rose again, and just like Christ defeated death, we, we may. Um, deal with the sting of death and I'm trying to I wonder if I say this, this scripture because I know I came across and I was like man that's good I want to uh, bring that up but I can't remember uh, I can't remember what it what it is but either way when Christ died and defeated death he, uh, man I wish I could find this scripture hold on give me a second because <laughs> it, it talks about how uh um, hold on. Is it First Corinthians? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is First Corinthians. Let me, let me see. Yeah, I think that's it. Let me go to it. Um, then when we are, uh, then when our dying bodies has been transferred into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law give, gives sin its power. But thank God he give us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's ultimately what it's going to boil down to. All this pain, all this suffering, all this uh, sting of, of sin and death, when we get into our uh, heavenly bodies, all that, go, all that goes away. And so yeah. if you think about eternity and how long that is, then our time here, again, I go back to say it's just like somebody who's 70 years old, but then back when they was a baby, they got circumcised and they had to deal with that pain or that suffering, but now it's been so far removed. I, even, the Bible even talks about a mother giving birth, right? It's painful, but once that baby's born, they immediately forget about the pain because they so joy so right. joyful about the baby right and that's how it is so that's why I, I will encourage you all to just meditate on that believe in God's word and um, and if you're concerned about a young person or you know uh, or anybody a loved one what happens to them after death share the gospel with them make sure they know Jesus you know uh, any final thoughts on, on this question before we move on Anthony no no I'm good Okay, cool. All right, so I got a couple of clips that I want to show. Um, the first one is just a clip that gives glory to God, um, and I want to talk about what it reminds me of, so let's look at it real quick. This is Deontay Wilder who said he uses demons, spirits, to fight his fights, false gods with a lowercase g, and he tried to go against Tyson Fury, whose God is Jesus Christ. Look what happens and watch till the end. Jesus Christ is my saviour. I don't believe in all spirits and alter egos. I'd even mention his stuff like that on TV. You're getting it. And, and Honestly, that's, that's the if God is with me, you. nobody can be against me. It's going to be I'm your God against my God. Try Jesus, not me. Because I throw hands. Congratulations to Deontay Wilder for finding his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I'd love to thank my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's a true testament of God's love. He'll knock you down. That's his wrath. And he'll pick you back up and save you. I had to go through the same thing. 
If you went through that, I want you to type down below, God is love. Yeah, so that was, that, that's the first clip I want to show. So Deontay Wilder, the black guy, and it, it, this reminds me of like David and Goliath, right? Because you looking at Dante Wilder, he all ripped up and chiseled, and then you look at my man over here, uh, he all flabbery and big, but then in their pre-fight thing, the dude was like, it's going to be my God against your guy, and he told him, he's like, you know what, for even mentioning that, you going down. Uh, and it remind me of how David was like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine talking about my guy and the whole nine? And um, and so I want to share that with everybody to just uh, just give us a little hope because we are living in a world now where people are just going against God. It seems like um, the unrighteous is thriving in this world. But at the end of the day, man, God's gonna, every knee will bow and confess Jesus. What's your thoughts on the video, Anthony? Um... I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts on it. <laughs> all right, but I don't think I don't think I want to get all into it. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. There's a lot to it because uh, I'm 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 one of those people that the video itself, you know, about giving glory to God. I'm I'm with that. You know, but this, this brother, he's got some different stuff. Sometimes he's on and sometimes he's off. Talking about this guy here in the corner? Yeah, 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 I yeah. I've never seen any. I just came across this short. Yeah, I don't I, know I, what, what other stuff he had. I got a lot of his stuff. So, yeah, yeah. That's why I said I don't, you know, I'll just move on. <laughs> yeah, Atlanta Big Bang Pizza. Atlanta Big Bang Pizza has robot servers. I definitely want to visit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I'll tell you, that's just an example of how AI is about to get ready to start taking some folks' jobs. I'll tell you that much, boy. Because uh, they got these robot waitresses, so now you don't need them. I, you know, here's what's scary about that for me, being um, in the military. Imagine going to war. Imagine that AI comes out. They got these robots, right? And they can, they're smarter than us. They're faster than us. They think better than us. Uh, they don't really have a moral compass. So when it comes to killing, they can just do it. And don't even think twice about it. And then, and then the way our country and the UN works, most likely we'll probably put sanctions on it. Like, hey, we're not gonna use the robots this way or not use them that way. But then you got other people who like, screw that. We're gonna use the robots the way we want to. So now you got human beings out here going against this highly advanced technology. That is a scary thought to think of, and we are so close to it. What you're describing is is that movie I Robot. Yeah. Man. I'm yeah. telling you, man. <laughs> and it's funny how these movies they they basically kind of soften you up for what's coming. Right. For the you or, know or or they make you believe that oh it's just a movie. Yeah, and it's actually something that they, they they're actually working on. And it's like like you said, soften you up or or or, or get your mind ready for it. You know, because yeah. you've seen it, man. Or they can mess you up because, you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, then you're like, yeah, yeah, it, it's coming. Stop. That's you where you fear. get people. Yeah, you get people radically and they're, they're afraid. They're afraid yeah. of what's coming. You know, and I don't know what you do if that's coming. I, what do you really do? You know, but anyway, I don't want to get off track. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I mean, I definitely think it's something, maybe not that in particular, but. You know, revelation. A lot things are going to get a lot worse before it gets better. So, um, so yeah, something's coming. What you know, we'll see. 
But uh, that whole, even the people who are in the AI world, they are very, very cautious and afraid of what's coming because the AI, this AI is, is learning so fast. Yeah. It's, 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 pick, it's going so fast. And so I think, I'm telling you, we're going to see some amazing stuff about five years from now. Watch, because of this AI. Uh, and it kind of makes me wonder, uh, what were they doing at the, at the Tower of Babel? They made God question that because, like, the stuff we're going through now is like, man, we got to be getting close to to what the because remember in the Tower of Babel said, hey, if we don't stop them, they're gonna they're, they're gonna be they're gonna reach they're gonna be advanced. I, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's like they're gonna basically they were building this tower to reach God, and he was like, if we don't put a stop to them, they're gonna be successful. Yeah, because because basically, just like you know, and I liken it to the Garden of Eden, is that. The, the Lord had to put them out of the Garden of Eden because they had eat, ate, eaten the fruit of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. So if they, they would have ate life. tree of life, it would be permanent. Yeah. You know, and then you got the Tower of Babel. He's saying the same thing that, man, they're all unified on the earth for this purpose that I don't want. And so we're going to put a stop to it because we want them unified, you know, on the earth you know, for the purpose that they were created for. And so they, yeah. they, they were, they were building a tower to reach God, but really they were unified in such a way that like, this is not going to help them fulfill their purpose. Cause they don't need to reach me. They need to live on the earth, you know, and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Not. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, the tower of Babel, is really about like you said this one accord for the wrong reason and yeah. when the when the antichrist the beast the false prophet come they're going to bring people together yep. on one accord right for the wrong reason yep. for the wrong god for the wrong idea and like you said it's coming um and god is preparing his people for it he's he's helping us to to get ready because i don't know if it's going to be you know in my time you know, I'm a little older than you, your time, your kids' time. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Now, but you bring up a good point about God putting him out of uh Eden, right? It it goes back to our good and evil. Was God evil? Why why would a good God even put that in there to tempt them? And then he right. kicked them out and the whole nine or what you know, but that but he, that alone yeah. speaks in his grace as well, because he's like, Hey, I don't right. they eat that tree of knowledge. They're gonna be stuck in their sin. It's, it's they're over. gonna basically be immortal, and man, yes. that's 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 crazy. That it's crazy that we as humans we are chasing immortality, and it's already offered to us through Jesus. Yep. You know. So anyway, all right. So here's the next one. This one I want y'all input on. So if you're still rocking with us, I want y'all to engage in the comments. I want to hear y'all thoughts on this next one, right? Uh, it's, it's actually not a video. It's a news article. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. All right, so it says Texas parents charge their adult child $200 rent to stay at home after high school and $300 if she eats her parents' food. And so um, I'm not going to read the article. Y'all can go through uh, the newsbreak.com if y'all want to look at it. But the bottom line is they, uh, they got on social media and they asked people comments of what they think about them. Uh, are, they, are they cruel or are they wrong for having their Make, having their daughter, their adult daughter, pay rent if she lives there after high school, and then it's even more if she eat food. And um, 
the daughter actually is cool with it, by the way. You know, so if y'all look at the daughter, it's like, yeah, it makes sense or whatever. But I want to share this. I want to share this with uh, with, with our audience here because we we have scriptures like you spell the ride, you spoil the child, and you know, uh, you know. I, I want to get y'all thoughts on this. So, uh, Anthony, do you agree or disagree with what this what this family did? Do you think they should should uh, is it wrong for them to charge their daughter rent fresh out of high school? Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I don't think it's wrong at all. Um, I think what we did with our kids is we just, we had a bill for them to pay. So if they were going to live at home, they were going to pay the electric bill or the phone bill, or the water bill, something. They were going to pay a bill, you know, and then we taught them to contribute that, you know, you're kicking in because eventually you're going to have to, you're going to have to take care of yourself. You know, yeah. um, and so uh, it was it was short lived because, you know, both our kids went off to college, and you know, but it taught them how to, you know, save money, put away money for themselves to be able to take care of themselves. And they never had any problem being a roommate. Our kids have always been good roommates because they were taught, hey, you, you pitch in, you take care of your half, you have cleaning, you know, groceries. You know, half on the bills. Um, as a matter of fact, my son right now, um, he's in his um, 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 indoor football league season, and he has a lease uh, in in, uh, in Pueblo, and so he's still paying his half of the rent, mm. even though he's not even there. You know, and you ask him why, he said because well, I signed the lease, and you know, I said I would do it. You know, so I'm not gonna leave them hanging. Other people, if they would have moved out, they're like, Left yo, hanging. y'all gonna have to. You know, but this guy's like, nah, that's not how I roll. You know, um, I got a couple of more months on the lease. I'm going to take care of it. I'm working. I'm, I'm making making some money. And so I feel like when you, you teach them that value, they grow up with integrity. They grow up understanding the value of hard work. They grow up understanding that, you know, you've got to take care. you got to be a good steward, you know, over your bills and, things of that nature. So I, I don't think it's wrong at all. Uh, I don't even think it's a little bit wrong. It's not even, I don't even think those are egregious numbers. Those yeah. are. Yeah. Those, those, he, and that's what the girl said. She's like, I, if I had to move out, I can't even find a place for $500 a month. Right. So, you know, so, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. So some people may see it as, you know, it's a little harsh or, or cruel or whatever, but uh, paying rent, them forcing her to pay the rent is not just about the money. It's a way to teach her responsibility, right. accountability, you know, how to survive in the real world. You know, Proverbs, I think, 22, it talks about start a child off in the way it should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it, right? And so I think it's actually you're doing your child a disservice if you're not teaching them those things. I've, right. I remember being in basic training with people who never wash clothes. Now, at the time, right. I was hot to death. My mom made me wash my own clothes or fold my own clothes and all that. But then when I was on my own, I knew already. And now you got grown adults who don't have a clue on how to do that. And okay. so... So I want to ask you a question, Rico. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times I, I'm, I'm, I'm counseling young men who are maybe courting a young lady. And some of these young men have never lived on their own. Mm. And some people have told me that that's rough, man. I'll say you, if you want me to do your premarital, if you want me to do your counseling, 
I feel like before you can even think about marrying this young lady, you need to move out and live on your own. You need mm. to live on your own. And I tell them at least for a year, you need to know what it looks like to take care of yourself, to clean your own place, to wash your own clothes. Some people are like, well, that's wrong, man. That's legalistic. And I was like, they can do whatever they want. They're grown. But if they come to me, that's the advice that I give them. What do you think? Is that wrong? No, no. Uh, I actually gave some similar advice. So I'm not going to say to who because I don't want to put their business out there. Right, right. Uh, but somebody who's very close to me, a family member, was getting married. And this particular family member could barely take care of themselves, let alone take care of somebody else. This particular family member was still living with their parents when they were about to get ready to get married to this person. And then this particular family member had to uh, live with their spouse's family for a while. And I advised heavily against that. I was like, just think about it. If you had a daughter, would you want your daughter to marry somebody in that situation? You can barely take care of yourself. You you can't you can't do that. You can't go off and and um add another person to take care of. So yeah, I think that's wise counsel to be able to take care of yourself before you're able to take care of somebody else. And now now mind you, me, my beginning wasn't the ideal way either. Mine wasn't. Um, you know, <laughs> because I uh I got my girlfriend pregnant. Yep. We too. wasn't married. And then I was going to the military. But I made sure that I did something to where I can be able to take care of my family. I didn't put that responsibility on my mom. I didn't expect other people to kind of handle that. I, I said, hey, I made a mistake. Well, I did, I, I did something. Now it has consequences, and I have a responsibility. And right. so I'm going to handle my responsibility. But if you haven't did put yourself in that situation yet, why put yourself in a situation to make life harder on yourself one of the things i told my daughters um well really all my kids but really, mainly i was really want to stress this to my daughters because typically women do well i let me take that back i've witnessed women do this but i told my daughter i was like listen i'm gonna I'm let i'm gonna I'm I'm be okay with you dating because i know i can't stop it but here's what i would ask you do not make decisions off of a boyfriend so if you have a boyfriend, you still go to college, you still get your stuff together, learn how to right. be able to take care of yourself first. And then if you if, if you want to marry that person, marry them. But don't change your college plans for a dude. Don't change what you're going to do for a guy. Be able to take care of yourself. I even told my wife, I'm like, listen, if I die, you there's going to be some military insurance, whatever. but once that money going out, you're going to have to still be able, so you have to still be able to take care of yourself. And so I want to train, raise my kids up to not have to rely on somebody else, not have to rely on the government. And if you haven't put yourself in a situation yet where you're forced to do that, then don't voluntarily do that to yourself either, you know? And so, no, that's a... That's a very that's very wise counsel to give to somebody because how are you gonna take care of family, and you don't know how to take care of yourself. Yeah, I I, I tell I tell my guys I was like, look, you got to know what it feels like for it to be tight, and you don't know how you're gonna pay the rent, and the car broke down, and you got to figure out. You don't want the first time you experience that stuff to be with a wife and possibly a kid. Yeah, you don't want to go through these these ups and downs in life, and you've never had to actually fight through it yourself 
you know, you and, and, I, and I, you know, and I tell them at least a year, you know, um, like live on your own, get you an apartment, sign a year lease, see if you can keep up on your bills by yourself, see if you can pay that that public service by yourself say <laughs> see if you can you know you know if you if you got a car note see if you can pay that phone see if you because you bring a wife on and she's got stuff that she's gonna want she's she's gonna have a lifestyle that she wants to live you know and if you've never even taken care of yourself then you have no idea you're gonna be in such deep water that you you're gonna drown and it's gonna affect your marriage yeah, it's gonna it affect is. your ability to even stay in this marriage. Man, I'm you gonna know? tell you, I'm gonna tell you that that is my story. You know, um, I in my pursuit of saying I'm gonna take care of my kids, it put me in a position where I had to work so much and be so hard that it took away my time and my ability to, to spend time right. with my kids. Then it hindered my marriage. I got divorced, and now my kids don't live in the same household as me, and so. Uh, it, it, there are some consequences that come behind some hard time. Is it possible? Yeah, y'all can struggle together, make it happen, overcome. Right? But and, once and you're you married, once you're married, you're supposed to. Yeah, like that's one of the number one things that people get divorced over: all the finances and, right. and and how they handle it and what they're gonna do and that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, you know, somebody. It, this goes back to you know you don't really know till you go through it, but you can kind of learn from other people's mistakes too. Right, yeah. and that's what I, I was like. Hey, look at me. Look at what I had to go. I, matter of fact, I was talking to a buddy um, last week. Um, one of my guys um, I used to work with. He's now uh, almost all his military career. He was single. You know, good with his money. Um, had investments. He loved to golf, so that's particularly what he spent most of his money on. And then now that he's a little older, and he got out the military, I think he retired from the military. And he's married and he got a little kid now. He's like, man, you know, I kind of wish I did it like you and had my kid earlier on. Because now I'm going to be the old dad, the old grandparent, dad, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, man, you, hey, the grass ain't always green on, on the other side. Like, it's sweet that my kids are on their way at the house, but I put myself in a lot of debt. A lot of Christmases I had to put credit cards because I had to have the money. I, there's yeah. times where I didn't know, you know, I had to go without, you know, like, like, to me, I think the way you did it was smart. You got yourself, you had your career, you got established, and now when you have a family, you actually can take care of your family. You can spend right. time with them. You retired from the military, so you can show up at all the little right. league things. You can spend time, and now money is not a, a factor that's hindering you, you know, being a family man, right? And so, like, don't, I mean, don't think it's, don't think the way I did it was the ideal way because it, it was tough. It was a lot of tough, tough times. And that's what I tell them. I tell my kids that. I tell all the young guys that I mentor that. I'm like, look, you have the opportunity to do it the right way. Do it. You know, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, I made it. But I would never recommend that anybody take the route I took. Yeah. <laughs> I would never recommend it to anybody because, you know, because sometimes we think because of, because people make it. But they don't know what we yeah. went through to get yeah. to where we are. They don't know that we were nearly divorced. That they're nearly that, that this near we didn't we almost didn't make it. You actually went through a divorce. I was almost there. I was I was we were at the divorce table as well. You know, I tell yeah. people all the time, my original marriage actually failed. It wasn't until we went and separated and took some time and dedicated our life to the Lord and then came back together. 
that was a brand new marriage. That was a brand new marriage. We were different people. The marriage that I had originally with my wife failed. It, yeah. it, it failed, you know, if it not for, you know, us, you know, taking that time, separating and, and, and coming into relationship with the Lord and then coming back together, we wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't have made it. And so that's why I tell people, I was like, man, we had the child support stuff ready. We, we had everything like we were going to be divorced. Yeah. And, and, and at the last minute, you know, man, God, God stepped in and said, all right, are we doing this? We're like, no, I, I don't think this is what God wants for us. I know I done messed up. I don't know how this is going to look, but I know we got to try and we got to try to do it God's way because our way didn't work. Our yeah. way, our marriage yeah. failed. Flat out. Yeah, we got to do it God's way. And that's and that's what it boils down to. So, yeah, I definitely, I would agree that that's good advice. I, I, I mean, yeah. it, it really is. And and that ultimately goes back to us obeying God's word. You know, God tells you to do things a certain way because it's in your best interest, right? It's in your best interest. And when you do it any other way than that, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of it. So, yeah. All right. But no, I think it was a good discussion tonight. You know, I, I appreciate you rocking with me. I appreciate everybody yeah. else rock, everybody rocking with us as well. Chat. Yeah. You know, continue to uh, <laughs> rock with us if you're not subscribed <laughs> to our channel. Go ahead. And you know, and you know you're competing with the Nuggets playoff game tonight. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey. So I know hey. a lot of, I know a couple of guys that would have been on. That they watching the game. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, but you know, you can have a game on the big screen and a little thing on the, you know, at the bottom or whatever. But, but yeah, nah, nah, not if, you know. Not if you're a real fan, they they got the whole joint going, the whole yeah. now, party. Because right, right, if the Bulldogs was playing football right now, I probably wouldn't be on it. So, <laughs> so you're definitely right about that. But yeah, no, nah, thank y'all for rocking with us. Hey, if you didn't, make sure y'all hit the like button, uh, subscribe to the channel, and be like the Berans. You know, go back and make sure what we talked about is actually the truth in the scriptures. Um, with that, we out. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name. If you enjoyed this video, like, subscribe, and share this content with others. Thanks for watching. God bless.